introducing a man whose road rage borders on the insane, a man who's always late because he never accounts for traffic, a man who'd rather rip his own arm off and beat himself to death with it than be stuck behind a slow truck. Oh wait, that's me. He is Glenn Clark. Are we confirmed to chat with Ken Crochet? I didn't think that was confirmed. He said that it was at 1120. I thought it was checking. I thought that's what that was. I thought they... Yeah, I me. You're telling me if that's different. I mean, I I believe you. The the way I you read said, it was hold, holding holding those times. Not. I thought it was just for likely. I mean, I don't know why it would have been written that way. You can double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that is not confirmed. Oh, all right. All good. All good. Sometimes we uh we, we don't we don't have enough meetings before the show. We should do better about that. We'll get around to that. I'm sure at some point the the future of the show is we'll have a few more meetings ahead of time. Hi. Good morning, uh, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Paul. Happy to be with you on a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of the show brought to you by Glory Days Grill. We'll get into that here in just a bit. Coming up this morning, Drew Forrester will join us as he does every Wednesday. Uh, Randy Moss from NBC is scheduled to join us a little bit later on, preview the Kentucky Derby. And yeah, we have been working on a couple of other things, I guess. We kind of gave one of them away there. Um, But uh, just waiting on some confirmation on a few things. That uh, we're supposed to be happening on today's show. Such is the life of preparing shows like these. Such is the way that things go. Nothing we can do about that. But uh, hopefully a couple of other uh, things coming up on the program this morning. All right. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel The FanDuel Sportsbook is where you'll want to be for watching all the fights this month, including this Saturday, UFC 274, Oliveira and Gaethje, as well as uh, the uh, Rosanamahunas fight. Also, coming up on Saturday, Canelo Alvarez is fighting. You'll be able to watch those fights, as well as all of the playoff action, and get all of your bets in on their 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. If you want to reserve your spot for Saturday night, because big fight nights tend to be very popular nights and very big crowds in the FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you want to reserve your spot, the way to go about doing that is to email events at sportssocialmd.com. Events at sportssocialmd.com. Let them know you're coming out. You've got a group of folks you want to bring, whatever it is. You want to reserve a table. You want to reserve some reclining chairs. You can do any of those things, but you got to email events at sportssocialmd.com for Saturday night and a big fight night or for later on in the month for uh, Javante Davis's next fight as well. Big fight month in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Um, I, I the basketball phenomenal last night. I mean, the first game was meh. I, I, <clears throat> I know I said yesterday I was uh, thinking that the Bucks might just roll the Celtics, so I feel a little bit bad about that because I was wrong. But I didn't bet on it, so I'm okay. Um, the game last night, thrilling between the uh, Grizzlies and the Warriors. Um, the Gary Payton, the second thing, is was as cheap as cheap gets. And, you know, whatever. It, it's a very difficult thing 
because I don't believe that Dylan Brooks set out last night to try to injure Gary Payton the second. I don't believe that. I don't know how anybody would believe that. That's way over the top. But that was cheap. There's no getting around that. There's no, well, yeah, but he didn't. No, that was cheap. There was no play for you to make. There was nothing there. That was cheap. And it ended up leading to a player getting hurt. Which doesn't mean that the Grizzlies shouldn't be credited with the win. These things happen sometimes in basketball. But I do think that there needs to be more of a conversation about what happens to Dylan Brooks because of it. That was cheap. I know Steve Kerr used the term afterwards that he broke the code. And sort of saying the players have a responsibility to protect each other. It's a little bit different than, say, football, where in football you just have to accept the fact that there are going to be injuries in this game. This is basketball. That's not necessarily the case. Players do get hurt, of course, but not because they're supposed to be run into or has somebody go at their head. It was cheap. It was unacceptable, and I don't know what the NBA does about it. I know in a lot of cases in other sports there have been arguments made, in football for one, where if somebody does something outside the game, outside making a play, and it causes injury to another player, that the person responsible for it should be out as long as the other player is. It's not that simple because sometimes it involves a player who frankly is a lot better than the other player, and it's not a fair thing to say, well, this guy is going to stay out a little bit longer to make sure that this player can't play. Like if this happened and it was Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks, then the Grizzlies might say, hey, Dylan, uh, sit out a little bit longer. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't come back next week, could you? Nah, that's too much. Because it would make sure that they keep Draymond Green. So I don't think that's ever been the eye-for-the-eye eye concept. Has never been completely fair to me either. But I don't know what the answer is here. All I know is that wasn't okay. That was gross. I mean, gross. Absolutely not okay. What was okay was watching John Moran play basketball down the stretch. And the fact that John Moran has decided that he's going to knock down some outside jumpers too, that's a big win. I I love the Powerball John Morant, the guy who, come hell or high water, is going to go to the hoop, does not care who you leave out there, does not care if you play off of him and give him a shot. He's going to the basket and he's scoring. I love that. But if he's going to mix in knocking down shots as well, I think he's already up to nine threes in this series. If he's going to mix that in, he is lethal. He is dangerous as hell. Look, the Warriors still have a massive advantage in this series, already getting one on the road and now going back home. It took the Grizzlies an overwhelming amount of momentum from that home crowd in order to get one win against the Warriors. The Warriors still have a serious advantage. They also have a better roster, plain and simple. I mean, I love John Moran. I think he's a joy. But there's no debating which is the better roster. On one side of the floor are three Hall of Famers, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, insert, insert, insert. On the other side of the floor, it's still mostly John Morant. I mean, Jaron Jackson has been great. There's no doubt about that. So I still think the Warriors have a massive advantage in the series. But much like the Grizzlies-Timberwolves series was phenomenal, the first couple of games of this series have been outstanding. And however much we get of that, if they can continue to be that good, 
sign me the F up. This has been thrilling basketball to watch. Highly entertaining back and forth basketball. I'm all in for more of that. Whatever amount of games we can get of it, as long as they stay this entertaining, this exciting, I'm in. So those are the, you know, that was the big thing. I know Capitals fans are very excited because the Washington Capitals won the game one of their series against the Florida Panthers last night. I uh, I did get a couple of bucks on the Capitals. You know, best road team in hockey, battle tested. So the way that I feel about some other things, like give me those odds, I'll throw a couple bucks down. I'm not confident in any way that they'll end up winning the series, but it was worth taking a a, a flyer on that, as I told you yesterday, on a live casino and hotels social media pages. It was worth taking a flyer on the Capitals, getting plus money in that series just because they've got dudes that have been there and done that before and they're really good on the road, which kind of negates a little bit of the home ice advantage, which they took away after just one game in that series. So um, if you're a Capitals fan, I imagine you are sky high today. There was also baseball played last night in Baltimore, and it's we are very much into the throes of I can't remember anything about the games that are played, and nor am I bothering to watch more than a, a couple of pitches at most. Though, though tonight that'll probably be different with Bradish being on the mound. Joining us, well, I'm not joining us, he's part of what we do. He is our one-minute man. He's Paul Valley. All right, so honestly, it's hard to find a reason to care at this point because the offense just isn't scoring runs. They've scored two runs or less in 14 of 24 games. Last night was no different. They scored two runs on seven hits. They have 11 hits in the series. It's a 2-2 ball game, and oddly enough, it seems to be the story of the Baltimore Orioles. Anytime they score a run, they immediately give it back the next inning. They scored a run to tie the game at one. Bruce Zimmerman gave it back the next inning. Then they score a run to tie it at two. And then Joey Crable with two outs and runners on first and second throws one right down the middle, belt high, and it gets launched for a homer to dead center field, and the Orioles end up losing by that score 5-2. to two. Look, they're just not hitting. Um, the pitching's been okay, but it doesn't matter how well you pitch if you can't score runs. Uh, Cedric Mullins, every time you think he's getting hot, he comes up. And, uh, and look, credit him, he got the double yesterday, and Trey Mancini had the base hit, but Trey's not hitting, Mountcastle's not hitting, Santander's average is dipping. Nobody's really getting it done with the bats right now, and you can't find anything to really make you care. Because the roster's... Not good. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just this was always going to come. You're always going to get to this point in the season. If you want to say you're a little bit disappointed because, again, you thought the Bats might have a bit more to offer, and they started to show some signs of life, obviously, um, you know, over the last week and a half, and so you thought that maybe that might carry over a bit, then, yeah, you're probably a bit disappointed by that. Now, remember, as, as I said at the beginning of this series, this is the Twins team. The starting pitching has the best ERA in all of the American League. Um, and we have not yet reached the point in the season where the ball starts carrying a little bit more and a lineup that seemed to be a bit more predicated on hitting home runs can really benefit from that either. But it doesn't change the reality. The reality is that this is not a good baseball team. It's just not. I mean, there's, you can, you can pray and hope and wish and all of those things that you want, but at the end of the day, it's not a good baseball team. And, yes, you can separate disappointment that maybe, as you point out, Cedric Mullins is, is struggling. I think we all knew that it was going to be very difficult for Cedric Mullins to live up to the standard of a year ago. 
I, I think there's still a median to be had between where he is right now and what he was last year, and there can be some course correction to that. But figuring out exactly what Cedric Mullins is has been one of the storylines to me that's been relevant to this season. What is Cedric Mullins? And right now, we don't feel great about that, but we're a long ways away from having a final answer to that question and where he is amongst the pieces within this rebuild. That being said, this is kind of what it is. This is this is who they are, and the thought that you know, it, it it's the problem with believing that like bringing up Tyler Nevin is going to make a difference. It's t- Tyler Nevin could be a helpful piece if you already had a legitimate roster on the field, and you just needed somebody to get a couple of at bats that could you know run into one every now and then. If you have expectations that Tyler Nevin is going to be a player and a guy that you can count on at the major league level, that's not based in reality. It's based on mere wishes and hopes. There's nothing about Tyler Nevin that says he's that guy, which, again, doesn't mean he can't become that guy. As I say every time we have this conversation, anyone can still become something that they don't have a track record of being. But we can't assume it. And as everybody was screaming, well, bring up somebody else, the somebody else's aren't answers. We, of course, believe that there is an answer that's coming, but that's one. That's one that we expect to have here in two weeks. One answer. And we're asking for him to be an answer on day one. And that's probably a bit over the top, but that's where we are. You're desperate for answers. But that's the reality. The reality is, as much as we want to be excited about the farm system and as much as we want to be excited about what's to come, and this is the number one ranked organization in baseball and all of those things, the actual answers are limited. It's why Kyle Bradish pitching tonight is exciting. Because you're hoping that Kyle Bradish, and there's reason far more than, say, a Tyler Nevin. Again, no offense to Tyler Nevin. There's more reason there is with Tyler Nevin to believe that he could be an answer. It's not a guarantee. It's not even as likely as some other guys. But there's reason to think it's possible. And so there's reason to want to be at the ballpark. If you were going to go to a game this week, tonight would probably be a pretty good night to go. You know, this is the this is what it's like in most cities. In most cities, there's games being played every night, and then there's some that just have a little bit more juice. And tonight has a little bit more juice. And yes, it's intriguing that Dylan Bundy is on the other side. A guy we know, and a guy who's been pitching well. Not Kevin Gosman well. Jesus Christ. Holy S. But Bundy's been pitching well. But he is a guy that gives the Orioles some opportunities to maybe hit some home runs. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. The porch not being as short as it once was, perhaps this is now the stadium that was always suited for Dylan Bundy. Mm-hmm. Like, perhaps this, perhaps if Dylan Bundy had been in this stadium, his trajectory might have been a bit different. I don't know that. How could anyone? But certainly the biggest issue that Dylan Bundy faced during his time in Baltimore was the home run ball. Mm-hmm. And it did not help that he was in a park that was quite conducive to home runs to right-handed hitters. So, 
I, I don't know. I don't know what life. We were talking about that. I was on with Coleman last night. We were talking about like what the story might have been for Dylan Bundy had he been in this ballpark. Mm-hmm. And it's a great what if because there's, of course, ne- there's an eternal no correct answer to this. But it is a fascinating what if. And it goes back to the conversation that I've had all along, which is that I've never had a problem with them moving the wall back. I've never had a slight issue with that. I do get the argument about losing, you know, as we talked about, losing home run robberies. That's a bummer because it was something that I loved as a kid. And we got to see plenty of it at Camden Yards. And so losing the possibility of a home run robbery is a bummer. But, you know, it's a bummer. I can trade that off. The only issue I continue to have is the insane left center field thing, which it's an abomination. It's always been an abomination. And there's no way, there's no justification of it at all. It's, It's a joke. It, I've said everything I'm going to need to say about it. I don't need to continue harping on it, but I'm not changing my mind about it either. That's a joke. Fix that, and then I don't care. Fix that thing, and then I have no problem with the fact that the walls got moved back because I would prefer for the next Dylan Bundy to not be wrecked by giving up home runs constantly. And again, not knowing that it would have changed Dylan Bundy whatsoever – I also know that there are going to be more pitchers that come up, and I don't want that to be part of their story. Somebody's got to be able to pitch. So this is an intriguing night. I'm not trying to tell you that it's two great baseball teams and it's worth spending lots of money to go to the ballpark, but knowing that you can get in for a very small dollar amount. There are plenty of tickets available. If you were thinking about going to a baseball game, tonight would be a neat one to go to. Tonight would be, if you especially if you didn't get a chance to go out last Friday, tonight would be the one this week that you would kind of circle and say, okay, the way that I talked about the, um, oh God, who did Means pitch against at the beginning of the season? Corbin, Corbin Burns. Burns. The way that I talked about the Means-Corbin Burns game. Every now and then during the course of the year, there's something that you look at and you say, that one's just a little bit more intriguing. We know we're going to get that again in a couple of weeks when Adley Rutschman arrives. We'll probably get one later on this season with Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall. There'll be days where there'll be a little bit more juice to a baseball game despite the fact that the team's not good. This won't compare to those. Like, in any way, those will have real juice. But this one's a bit better. If the average game at the ballpark this season is a three, this one's more like a five or a six. More like a five, but you know, there's reason to want to be there for more than just the most hardcore baseball fan. The only reason to have gone to the baseball game last night is either because you literally have nothing better to do with your life or because you are such a hardcore baseball fan, such a hardcore Orioles fan, that you'll go to whatever game is being played. For the average person, there was no reason to be at that game. Tonight, for the average person... It's not overwhelming, but there's a slight reason for you to walk around this afternoon and say, the hell, I got nothing better to do. I'll go watch a baseball game. Why not? Why not? I'll go see Kyle Bradish. I'll go take a look and see if that guy can be part of the solution moving forward. Spoiler alert, you're probably going to be disappointed by watching the offense. You're probably not going to get much of a thriller tonight. Yeah, Austin Hayes, the only regular hitting above 240 right now. It's, um, you say it's, that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it ain't good. Oh, it ain't good. And, so. and, and another thing, I, uh, I mentioned the wrong final score. I had forgotten that Keegan Aiken gave up two runs in the ninth inning oh. because, really, even though I was watching, it was, on you. it was one of those games where five to two, seven to two, the game was over 
yes. in, the top, in the top of the ninth, regardless of what happened. Most certainly there. was. So it's, and then one other thing that I wanted to point out, and we were talking about Cedric Mullins, and one of these things I've been saying for a while now, it makes you question whether or not he can be the center fielder of the future. Maybe he has to be, I, I don't know what he, what he has to be, but for the good offense and how many balls he can run down, how many leaping catches he can make, he cannot throw a guy out at the plate when there's a runner on second base and a base hit up the middle. And the second run that the Twins scored I mean, yesterday. I haven't paid a lot of attention to that. So I'm, he doesn't have a good throwing arm, and there's a yeah. I mean, he doesn't, I know he doesn't have a great one, but I haven't like the idea that it's it's he's completely incapable. He doesn't of it. attempt. He doesn't attempt. There was a base hit to center field that any other center fielder with a legitimate throwing arm would have tried to throw the guy out at the plate. He just threw it to the cutoff man because he knows he has. I don't know if he knows it, but to me, it seems he knows he has no shot at throwing a guy out because the arm just isn't strong enough. Interesting. Interesting. I, I, it's just something I haven't paid a lot of attention to. I, I'm not. I don't. Not doubting you because my God, you actually watch the games every now and then, and I don't. Um, and I and I love Cedric Mullins. It's just the one area, the biggest area of weakness in his entire game is his throwing arm. And it's apparent when there's guys on second base and there's a base hit to center field, they're always going to score. I mean, the he still covers a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you you view that into the equation. It's something I have to think about. Look, the bat is the more important part. He's right. got it. He's got to prove if the if the bat. It, not even as legitimate as it was last year, because again, I don't think many of us expected that that was going to be replicated. But if the bat continues to be legitimate enough, then you'll figure that out. You'll figure that other part of this out. And simply covering enough ground will probably keep him in center field, even if there's some disappointment to his arm. Right. Because there's only so many guys that can cover that much ground. I, I, I wouldn't be opposed, and I know that the Orioles probably would be, to just switching he and Austin Hayes and putting him in left and Hayes in center. Yeah. Because in left field, you can, the weakest I, arm on your right. team is usually I, in left I field. I hear you. I hear you. I, I know that I hear your theory. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass because I just don't know enough about the arm and the, the, all that sort of stuff. But I, my gut tells me that someone's ability to cover more ground will always win out over strength of arm in making a decision along Trust those me, lines. I, I, that's that's my it. gut. My gut says that's what they would continue to choose to do. Mm-hmm. But I hear what it is that you're saying, and I don't... Your theory is not wrong. Like, the, the, the math that you're doing to get there, of course, is correct. Anyway, Orioles uh, lose again last night. Tonight, it's Kyle Bradish and Dylan Bundy at the ballpark. And um, just a small, small reason why maybe it would be a decent night for you to get out and watch a baseball game. Um, I feel like there was something else that happened in a baseball game that I haven't. The Yankees scored nine runs in an inning inning to win their 11th straight. Yeah, there was that. And then, of course, there was the very cute story of the Blue Jays fan that caught the Aaron Judge home run and found the the kid that was wearing the Aaron Judge jersey. It was very sweet. I mean, it was a very nice. It got a lot of traction on, on social media. Um, we of course still harbor some ill will to uh, Blue Jays fans because of the Hyunsoo Kim incident all those years ago but you know that was kind of an adorable sweet moment um, if you missed it just search Aaron Judge on Twitter and you'll come up with it and then, and then you'll feel a, a shred of decency about humanity and we could all probably use that right about now any sort of decency that we can feel about humanity is helpful so I uh, you know I think that 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 would be worthy. I feel like there was something else, though. I feel like there was something else that happened that was baseball-related, and I'm already blanking on what it was, so what do we do now? Do we dance? How do we fill this? 
because I'm already blanking the on the it. The Twins pitcher Ryan made a hell of a play on Santander. He did do that. I also didn't know that uh, he was a water polo player. I learned that from uh, in the, the that's a hell the, of an athlete. The, the, the couple of oh my god, you ever try to play water Shit, polo? No, I haven't because I'm not that good of a swimmer. Whew. Like I can. It's not that I can't. I always said this all the time. It's not that I can't swim. I can swim. You know what I'm not good at? I'm not good at treading water. This mm. is not a joke. I'm not good at treading water. It is damn hard. I think it's because I have this this um, syncope condition that like my body kind of starts to panic whenever I don't have grasp of something because my blood doesn't flow the right way. I am not good at treading water. And so I watch what these cats are doing playing water polo. I'm like, nah, nah. Not even worth a shit. Not that I ever, ever had a bunch of buddies that were like, hey, Glenn, want to get together and play some water polo today? Like, that's never occurred in my life. But if it were to, I would say, I'm good. When I was a kid, my sisters and I went to... Oh, it to was Dusty Baker, by the way. That's what I want to talk about. We'll oh, get, we'll yeah, get he, to wanted, he won his 2000. 2000th game. That was the other one. Um, when I was a kid, my sisters and I, we played on a tennis team, and they we would go to country clubs, and we would play interclub tennis. And then afterwards, we would go swimming. Well, the one club that we went to, in order for you to... If you had never been there before, in order for them to allow you to swim... You first had to tread water for a minute straight. Yeah. Before they let you swim. Yeah. And I did it, but let me tell you, I wanted to die. Oh yeah, I mean, like that sucks. And I get it. I like you need to know how to tread water. It's not that I don't know. What, again, I, I keep when I say these things, people are like, "What you can't swim?" I'm like, no, I can swim. It's just that, like, when I tread water, in fact, I can swim distances. I could go back, but when I get to treading water, and I, for those that don't know, I have this the, the vasovagal syncope condition where, like, my blood does not flow. The, I have a very low resting heart rate, and I do not have good blood flow. And there are literally times I uh, famously talked about it a couple years ago. I, I had no idea I had this condition. Ended up having seizures in my friend's uh, driveway because I had no idea what was going on with me and that if I had just known, all I needed to do was dip my head down, get it parallel with my heart, and the blood would have flown and I would have been fine. I just didn't know that because I didn't know I had this condition. But it's something my wife and I have talked about and talked about with my doctors. There's things that I've dealt with in my life previous to not knowing that probably were impacted by this condition that I had. I just was unaware of what it was. And one of those is likely the struggles that I have had over the years with treading water. It's just a, a weird bit. Nobody cares about that, though. Dusty Baker wins his 2000th game. Um, remarkable. It's, it's part of why, as I told you guys admittedly, I couldn't root against the Astros in the World Series. Dusty Baker's incredible. And the one thing that's missing... Because I don't know if you put Dusty Baker in the Hall of Fame without do you put it can you put a manager in the Baseball Hall of Fame without winning a World Series? It's very difficult. It, I, it's tough for me to comprehend that. It's what I said about Buck, frankly, that if he could just win a World Series, there's probably a Hall of Fame argument. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a damn good Hall of Fame argument for Dusty Baker. And if I read correctly, literally every other manager that's won two thousand games is in the Hall of Fame with the exception of Bruce Bochy, who just retired, so Whenever they do one of these committees again that he's on, he'll almost certainly go into the Hall of Fame, despite the fact that he he lost a lot of games too. Um, Dusty Baker's incredible. Dusty Baker's great. He, you know, he's a he's a trailblazer. He's all of those things, and he made it impossible for me to root against the Astros the way that you guys were during the World Series last year. I wasn't rooting against them. I, I, and frankly, I wouldn't have rooted against the Astros. Even with another manager, I wouldn't have rooted against them the way that you guys do because I've had that conversation a billion times. But it made it even – like, it made me so that, frankly, I was rooting for them. I wanted them to win because I wanted to see Dusty Baker win a World Series. And I just don't – I have zero emotions towards the Braves whatsoever. So that was the only emotion I felt is this dude has been a boss for a long time. 
And it's a bummer that, like, Steve Bartman happened and the Cubs fell apart all those years ago because maybe that could have been his. I know a lot of you hate Barry Bonds, so you probably were not unhappy to see them lose to the Angels in the World Series that year when Barry Bonds hit the most ridiculous home run I've ever seen in my entire life. Mike, I don't think that thing is still landed 20 years later <laughs> that he hit in that game in Anaheim. When they were down, remember, they were down by two, and it was the ninth inning, and he hit a solo home run, and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it is still traveling through the night at this point. Um, so there, that you probably rooted against Dusty Baker then, too, because you didn't like um, Barry Bonds. But, man, you can't get me to do it. I can't root against Dusty Baker. Um, guy's just a beast. And, you know, it's remarkable to win 2,000 games. It's, it's a testament to his career that he's still this well thought of. The he, longevity. And and he ain't Tony LaRusa. Like, he ain't – there haven't been problems with Dusty Baker the way there have been with Tony LaRusa either. So, I – His kid also hit a walk-off homer in the minors last night. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. That's cool. Of course, Darren Baker, who famously J.T. Snow, saved his life at the plate in the World Series. Or Was it the World Series or was it just the playoffs? It was in the World, World Series. World Series. Those years ago, Darren Baker, now in the national system, um, was drafted, I want to say, two years ago. And um, – yeah, it's cool. That's cool. So a neat moment for Dusty Baker last night. All right, when we come back in, Drew Forrester is going to join us. Lord knows what's on his mind. We'll talk to him about it. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. Uh, John wants me to give some love to Liverpool because they punched their ticket to the Champions League final. That is true. They did that. Of course, uh, John's very excited about the, uh, the football action. It's the, it's the football that's being played. That's what he's very excited about. Uh, the other Champions League uh, uh, leg two is coming up this afternoon. Real Madrid and Man City for the other spot in the Champions League final. He is Drew Forrester. He joins us every Wednesday here on GCR. Drew's MorningDish.com. Fairways and Greens each Sunday at noon on 105.7 The Fan. Hey, by the way, it was really great to see you this past Sunday. It was, I, was, I was listening to you on the way in, and then it was really neat to, to get the chance to see you in studio when we were doing our show. Man, I really loved that. It was glorious football. You forgot to add that glorious, that lunatic, but, but that, 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 that absolute loon out there in Arkansas. Glorious this? football. When did, when did you decide to go to war with John? <laughs> of all you know the why I go to war you. with John? Here's why I go to war with John. Because yeah. his brother is yeah. totally sane. Oh, stop it. I don't think, in fact, I know that's not true. I know his, it's a his fact. His brother is a long-standing well-respected Republican in this, oh, in this. Oh, so this is all about politics to you. That's what this is. This is singularly. I knew this day would come for you, by the way. I knew it would happen. Oh, God. Now, the reason that. that I don't, uh, I shouldn't say that I don't like um, John, because that's strong. The reason I have a lot of dismay for John, I'm kidding. You don't want to talk about sports. You are, you are, what a piece of work you are. John's uh, actually a good man. So it took it took you it took you all of it took you all of like three weeks not show up for your own show. It's a it's a hell of a run you've got going on over there. And the ratings are going great. Yeah. And all they're telling me is keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> That's what they're telling you. Yep. That's the feedback. Going you, great. You, by the way, do you know how to get paid? Because I don't. I gotta We're look talk- into that. Oh, I couldn't do the app. I gotta figure I that out. I sent the thing back to the I sent the thing back to the HR person, and I'm like, look. I'm going to blame this totally on the fact that I'm 59. Right. I, I don't know how to get in to do this yeah. paperwork. Yeah, good luck. And if that means you're not going to pay me, yeah. eh. <laughs> We'll live. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no this, problem. This ain't going to be make or break for the year. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. But it's, I'm having fun. You guys are doing a great job. Well, Rita's doing really well. Yeah, Rita's doing tremendously. Um, I, I just get to be along for the ride. And by the way, I get that reminder every Sunday when I look at social media. There's a lot of feedback for Rita and very little for Glenn. Very, right. Well, very she's got little. kind of a screechy voice too. Well, so she tends to 
Is capture that, the room. What, did you say screechy? But you do too. You you you, you do too, kind of. Screechy? I don't know if that's the word that you're looking for, dog. Uh, no, I don't no I'm looking for something worse, but I don't want to say okay, it on the air. Okay, all right. I see. What? No, you guys are doing fine. It's <laughs> Who good. else are you going to go to war with today? What else do you I have stocked I don't know. Yeah, I got you, Rita, yeah. John. Who else do you have? How do you feel, um, How do you feel about John Proctor, huh? I could do, well, he, you know what I think about him. I do know about um, that. I could dig in on Paul probably for something. I'm sure <laughs> wait, Paul's wait, apologizing Paul. for the Orioles every day. Paul. <laughs> you and I were on the same page with the Orioles just a couple of weeks ago, man. About what? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. So much is happening. Well, so yeah, little there's has that. There's Hey, that. they had 6,600 brave the conditions last night out there. So, <laughs> by the way. I, I think it was on them not laying down a bunt with runners on first and second. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it was. By the way, that's about 5,600 more than there's any reason to be at the ballpark last night. You make fun of it's – it's amazing we make fun of um, the, the attendance at a game. You tell me any reason why you would have gone to that baseball game last night. Hey, let me, let me tell you. They have a – I mean, I'm saying this, and it's very obvious, right, but – they have a very serious problem in Oakland. Oh well, yeah, but that, they've had a serious problem. I mean, they're, they're no, leaving. but they're they're going to have to do. They're they're either going to have to figure out a way, and the Major League Baseball doesn't want to do this, but they're going to have to figure out a way to somehow chip in this extra forty million or whatever, fifty million, whatever it is, and get this stadium thing moving, or or they're gonna, they might have to move that team. Well, I mean, that's they're essentially going. what they're going to do. They're either yeah. I mean, they they yeah. can't keep they can't keep playing in that place. And having twenty five hundred people show up, like that, it's one thing when ten thousand people show up in Tampa and everybody goes, yeah, okay. But you know they'll do some twenty fives and thirties and twenty ones, and it's like that in Baltimore. Well, yeah, they're doing ten, but when they when they give a bat away or something, then they play the Yankees. They'll do twenty four. There, there is no one going to these games in Oakland, and they're they're going to have to do something. Well, I mean, they're, yes, is the answer. They're going to have to do something. But they've needed to for do sure. something for years, and they haven't done it. I don't yeah, really it, know what the not, answer is. But not like this, though. Okay. They, they, they didn't do anything, but 12 or 14 or 18 or 20,000 people but, still went to the But that games. was because the team was good. I mean, like, they, they also did but this. the team's going to be good again this year. You know what's going to happen. No, no. This, time, this, day, this A's team you, is not going to be good. There's nothing yeah, there. You say that every year. No, no, and no. no, then, no. Oh. And then you look at the standings in August, and they're 81 and no, 76. They're, 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 I, look, man, I know what I'm you're trying I know what you're trying to say. I do it all the time. It ain't happening this year. This team stinks. <laughs> stinks. I hear you. They got one I've pitcher. Off, I've written them off 11 times, and they, and they go to the playoffs in eight of those times. Yeah, it's not happening this I year. I know. It's not happening. Uh, I hear do, you. Do you have – this is the thing. I don't know about – honest to God, I have no idea what you care about anymore. Do you care about okay. anything that the Ravens did over the course of the last week? Uh, uh, you know, I do, but it won't be popular. What do you mean? I, I – I don't know, man. I, I I just I don't get the thing with the center in the first round. I just don't get it. I, and I I tend to think of the first round. I think I've said this to you before. You and I have talked about this. Like, and I know you can't say this guy's going to make the Hall of Fame. Like, I know you can't say that. But I think when you take a guy in the first round, you should be taking someone that you feel. You know, the, you, positionally, kind of, you feel hey, this guy could be in the Hall of Fame someday. If, if in the first round, as a first round player, I, I just don't know about this taking the center in the first round. I, I'm a center guy. You know that I value the center. I think it's all. Awesome. You tried to move in but, with Matt Burke and Jason but, Brown. Co- correct. Over the years. Correct. I'm not. This is not a but, joke. Drew is obsessed with both those well, dudes. Yeah. M- m- right. But I, I just don't think I would have taken a center in the first round. And I, and that's not to say that this kid might not turn to be a great player. I just, 
don't see the value in that. You know, it's weird but because I, Eric forgot more about all this right, than any of us ever right. know. I, I don't I, think the safety is a terrible pick. I know there were some people bellyaching about that a little bit. I, I I think that's fine. Again, would I have taken a safety in the first round? Probably not. But I'm not, I'm not the guy doing it. I don't. This is the crazy. I can't believe I'm about to say these words. I don't think your theory is flawed. And and I think it it sort of walks in line with my reaction. By the way, I think they got good players. I think they did a good job. I do too. I, as I, much I, as I mean, totally. I'm not. I'm not saying they didn't. I right. just. I think when you have those kind of picks, you should be taking someone that when you look at him, you say, "Hey, you know, lots of." I'll just throw this out because lots of defensive ends make lots of defensive ends make the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, lots of wide receivers, although insert pun here on the Ravens, but lots of wide receivers, lot, lots of tight ends make the Hall I mean, lots of wide receivers, lots of um, right. rush ends make the Hall of Fame. I, I don't, you don't see, unless they're really, really special, you don't see many safeties make it. You don't see many centers make yeah, it. Yeah, you say that. I mean, I, you don't see a lot of defensive tackles make it either, and I wouldn't really have had an issue them taking a defensive tackle in the first round. I, this is a, It's a weird conversation. Anyway, I, by the way, I think it's more if relevant. If they all turn out to be good players, who Right, cares? and I think it's more relevant about center than it is about safety, right? Like, I do think that, that yeah. getting, getting a safety hybrid. I would agree, especially in this league. Yes. In this league, in the passing league like this, you do need a guy, whether or not he's a thumper or a ball hawk or whatever, you know, Whichever one of those slots he fits in, right? You, I I I didn't have an issue with the safety, and and to say I had an issue with centers, no, I don't but I think it's I think it was a, fair, a little weird to take a center that if, early. If your point is, I be, the Ravens have a lengthy track record of finding someone who can play center, um, wherever it is via via three free agency. What was Jason, Jason Brown was a third round pick, right? Like, right. Yep. That they have a lengthy track record of being able to find centers, and this is not the way the majority of teams go about finding theirs. Now the Cowboys found one in Travis Frederick a couple years ago, and they did use a late first round pick on him, and that turned out to be pretty effing good for a while. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame, but it was a go back and look at that draft. It was a pretty damn good use of a first round pick. So it's not as if there isn't any th- sort of track record that says you can do this and it can work out for you. But the broader point of you only get so many of these, are you really using one on even a really good center? I, I hate giving... I don't think that's a flawed theory to at least ask the question. And it walks in line with the question that I've asked, which is as good as I think they did. And I do. I think they did well with the picks that mattered. I think they got good football players. I think it's going to help them. But I do think that for as long as we've walked in line with this best player available mantra and stay true to your board and all of that stuff, you don't get a parade for having a good draft or for finding good football players. And as much as we say, well, you never have, you never consider need. And when you do that, you end up making mistakes. And they have in the past, right? They needed a tight end that year. And Derwin James was on the board. And instead, they ended up with Hayden Hurst. And they, that was, they screwed that up. And they needed a wide receiver once upon a time. And Mark Clayton was okay, but nothing more than okay. Need has bit them in the ass at time. Kyle Bowler was a need once upon a time. Um, that it has bitten them in the ass, but I do wonder where the two things end up walking together because you're trying to win a Super Bowl right now. And I, as as much as I like these players, I don't know if these were the right group of players to go try to get you over the hump to win a Super Bowl this season. I I, I would totally agree. And again, people, so you know, you see this on social media, right? You see so much. Um, I go through this all the time on my website. Any time you make any 
sort of, I, I wrote a piece the other day about Kevin Galsman and just said, and literally wrote, hey, this is a pretty remarkable start to the year for a pitcher. Right. It happens to be Kevin Galsman. Do you know that he has 41 strikeouts and it's no insane. walks right. in 31 innings? Hasn't given up a that. home run either. I wrote that. I, I just wrote, and hey, this is a pretty remarkable start for Kevin Galsman. 31 innings, um, 41 strikeouts and no walks. Doesn't walk one person. That's really remarkable. And I, I have people lighting me up saying, same old, same old, same old Drew back, back on the radio again, beating up the Orioles for letting Kevin Gosman go and being too cheap to pay him. I'm like, I never said a word about the Orioles. Right. I never, yeah. I never said anything. Yeah. But they, t- everything, everyone takes everything as criticism, veiled criticism, like in the draft when you say, I just don't know if these are the best two guys to win right now. Right away, well, Glenn done like the Ravens. Right. Right. How dare you? Right? How dare you so, not yeah, understand it? Yep. Yeah, right. And and so, it, no matter what commentary you make, unless you just come out with the blanket, boy, that was awesome. Man, they they got the two guys they needed. They got right. the best players. Eric's a genius. Unless you say that, you, you're going to get beat up because you're not on board. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, over, I'm over that. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I'm just saying as a rule, like any anything you, you know, any commentary you offer has to be, you know, it's going to get scrutinized. And I just think, and I said this last week, like, I just don't see where taking a center in the first round at that pick, particularly at that pick. I just don't see where you, you couldn't have done better than that. Not uh, not necessarily because that guy's not good enough, but you you really think there's a huge difference between that guy and the center from Texas A&M who went in the third round or whatever. You know, I'm just making no, it up. I hear, I hear you. I, I, I don't know. I'm... You know, I, I, I also can, I also think, and I still, I would love to know this, even though I think we all know the truth. I, I think they have caved in a little bit on the wide receiver thing, based on their history. And I think they've said, it's just "Insane, we're just not very good at it." Like it's, but that's. By the way, I think Rashad Bateman is, looks like he's going to be pretty good. I, it's such an insane I, I thing to you, say. But we're just going to say the hell with it a certain position and hope for the best otherwise. Like it's. Well, they, they're going to. I think maybe they're going to focus on a different way to get them. But it, it's, it was very obvious. I thought it was very obvious that they didn't put any emphasis on wide receiver. Now maybe, maybe they think. Crochet and Duvernay are going to, maybe they right. think Duvernay is going to fit in where Hollywood was. And maybe after two years, they think Crochet is going to turn into something. And there's, if so, there's a, consp- the, there's a conspiracy right. that exists that, and I know that Rita's one that's, that's jumped behind this, that you make this move, assuming you can get a wide receiver you want with the 14th pick. And then you watch as four wide receivers all go off the board right before you take the 14th pick. And that kind of screws you in what you were planning on doing here because you weren't able to get the guy that you wanted. Because I mean, like, I don't know that most people saw four receivers coming off the board immediately before the Ravens picked at 14. And they could have taken whatever the next guy was, Jahan Dotson, who I happen to like. But there's this conspiracy theory says they wanted it to be Drake London. They wanted it to be Garrett Wilson, maybe even Chris Olave. You know, Jamison Williams also went off the board before then. And when those guys were gone, they were left sort of holding it and saying, well, we, we can't we can't force it. We can't just take whoever the next guy is with the 14th pick in the draft because we just think that Kyle Hamilton's better than that. And I don't know, but I, I don't think it's it's insane, that particular conspiracy theory. No, I think that's, I, I think that it's very easy to piece that together. And 
say that when the thing started, they said, if, if any of these four are available at 14, we're right. taking one of those four receivers. Right. That's our guy. And now that they're not there, now who do we take? Right. Well, the next guy on the board is the safety. Okay, yep. we'll take him. Yep. We'll just go and with I, him. I would say that one of the things, and you know, it's been quite a while since I've had any lengthy kind of communication with Eric DaCosta, but in the old days I did. And I can remember Eric saying, and this is more so when Eric was the number two guy, but I also, I remember Eric saying, Ozzy had a lot of philosophies, right? But one of the philosophies of Ozzy's was, you know, we did all this work for a year. We put all this work in for a year. We walked into the room. We all nodded and shook hands and, uh, and hugged and said, this is what we're going to do. And then when the, when, when the pieces fall, we just need to do what we said we were going to do. Don't, don't overthink it. Yep. Don't like change on the fly. Yep. This is what we said we were going to do. We've been doing this for a year. We've been looking at these players for a year. Don't overthink this. Th- th- those four receivers are gone. Who's next on our board? Hamilton. Take him. Yeah, but what about John? No, no, no. Yep. We agreed before we started that if those four guys weren't there, it doesn't matter if Dotson's still there. Take this guy, because that's what we agreed on. So I do think that also comes into play, where they kind of pre-agree. Like, look, we know this thing. We know something weird's going to happen. We we know the Giants are going to take somebody they shouldn't take, or, 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 or you know, we know three players are going to get taken in the first round, and people are going to go, huh? Right. And, but when that happens, we can't react to that. No, we, we've we just... already decided mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. So m- she may be right. And that's how it came out that this this was the kid. Right. These are the four player. These are the four guys we want. We want yep. one of these four. Yep. And if one of those four is available, it doesn't matter which which of the four. There's four pretty girls there. I, it doesn't matter. We'll mm-hmm. take the redhead if she's there. We'll mm-hmm. take her. Mm-hmm. Okay. If she's not there, we're going to take Kyle Hamilton. Yep. That's the way it goes. And that's yeah. And that's what they did. That's so the way it goes. you know that. So in some ways, then you just applaud the fact that that they put this kind of work in and they feel strongly enough about it that we're we're happy no matter and I, i'm trying to remember I, I do remember when we were doing this back in the old days for a profession yep. eric predicted and put in an envelope that they would take Haloti nada oh right yeah he, yeah, yeah. he came on the show yep. he came on our show he put it in an envelope I, I don't remember if he gave it to kevin or who he gave it to but he put it in an envelope and he said I, i'm going to tell you right now who we're going to get and turned out that that, you know, that's who they took. And I remember when we asked him later, like, how, you know, how the hell that happened? He's like, because you, you look at the board and you just know, like, even if there's a trade here or there, you just know, like, these six players are going to be available. Right. These six are going to be available. Right. And I knew that if those six are available, this was the guy we were going to take. Sure. So they just knew before the thing started, like at the 29th, I think it was, at the 29th pick, these six guys are going to be available. Well, I know. And For Haloti, it was much earlier than that. I don't remember where it was, yeah. but it, whatever it was, um, this is the this is the guy we're going to take. And that's what that's yeah. who it turned out to be. Yeah. Uh, so, Haloti was the 12th pick. In the 12th. Draft, yeah, 12th. Correct. Right. correct. Exactly right. All right. Uh, let's play a little Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. By the way, whatever happened to him, boy, he stunk. Yeah, Haloti, not yet. This would be awful. Just an awful <laughs> football player. Didn't help at all. Uh, Glory Days. the first time I shook his hand, and his entire hand went around like my my whole arm. I think I've told the story before. One of the first days I was in on the beat, I I was standing. I was you know because his locker was right next to Terrell Suggs, 
And so, like, I'm leaning in with the microphone to, to get whatever dumb thing Terrell Suggs was saying. And I happen to be standing on Halodinata's towel. <laughs> like, he taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and I right. just look up, and I'm like, whatever, man, have have my girlfriend, have whatever it is. Right, that right, right. Want, dude. He was, and I would always use the term, like, he, he sort of lumbered into the room. Yes, no question. He no just kind question. of, he, he just, this shadow showed up, and you're like, oh, okay. Yep. yep. Here, here he is. There's Halodi. Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. We're right now. They've got the opener, the flash-fried pork belly with the popular Korean number two sauce. So good. The crunch burger with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. Of course, the grilled shrimp with garlic butter, strawberry salmon salad, the Cracker Jack Sunday, and so much more. GloryDaysGrill.com to get your order in. Number one, would you rather, speaking of what we were just talking about, would you rather the Ravens do indeed go sign a veteran receiver, but specifically it's T.Y. Hilton, or you know what, nah, it's time to let these younger receivers sink or swim? Well, I like T.Y. Hilton, um, but I have such an axe to grind with those creeps out there, that, oh. and, and this continued, this this <laughs> latching on to Johnny Unitas. <laughs> what that, the hell does that have to do with anything? It's got a lot to do with it. He's guilty by association. But then I'm going to say no to T.Y. Hilton because of that. He can sit out there and rot. Imagine that being your problem and not the fact that, like, he only played in 10 games last year and had 331 yards for the season. Imagine yeah. that being your T.Y. Hilton problem. Once those creeps out there stop latching on to Johnny Unitas and saying that he's part of their history, okay. I'll take one of their guys. Okay. That guy can sit out there and hope he doesn't get a job. Okay. Okay, number I'm two. I'm so done with this, it's with so these weird. tweets and this social media stuff and the um, proud of our quarterback heritage. Your quarterback heritage is Peyton Manning. Bro, trust me. I'm agreeing with you about that. I just have no idea why it has anything to do with T.Y. Hilton. But that, you I'm know, just it's getting more and more angry okay. o- over time hey, dog, about this. I, it's, it just pisses me off every time I see it. It's a, it's a, it drives I, me no, insane. You know what really pisses me off? They don't piss me off. It's the fact that Colts fans aren't pissed off by it. Like, um, imagine being in Baltimore, and if things had gone a different way, imagine being beat over the head with Jim Brown over there. Brian Sype. Right? How pissed yeah, off. Flacco will never be as good as Brian Sype. Right. He Ber- doesn't have to be. Bernie Kosar being shoved up your, you know, like, imagine right. that. Right. And all you'd want to do, I, like, I couldn't fathom that in this city. I, think, sh- I would say to my own team, shut up. No one can. You know how annoying it is when we look up Orioles records and you see St. Louis Browns records in there when you're just trying to find out who the 10 best right. home run, the most home runs in the Orioles history are? Ruined right. many a tidbit. Yeah, I believe it. It's, it's obnoxious. I can't believe. That's the infuriating part to me is that people in Indianapolis aren't pissed off about it. Don't say, stop it. Right, because we know well, T.Y. Jim... Hilton can stay out there. Oh, there we go. Number two, uh, today, of course, being May the fourth. So, in honor of that, uh, unfortunately, Drew, I don't know what happened. I'm very sorry, but uh, Mrs. Forrester is no longer in the picture anymore. So you're single. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Where'd she go? I, what happened uh, to her? Well, she got she, finally, she, caved, finally caved in. I gotta huh? be honest with you. She did better. I'm just right. Hey, right. Well, hey, man. We yeah. all know, right? Right. Um, so you're single again, and you meet someone. They're incredibly good looking. I mean, she's okay. gorgeous. Okay. Way out of your league, which, you know, that's not a very high bar, of course, that we're talking about. Um, okay. But their singular interest in life, and I mean singular interest, is Star Wars. I'm talking conventions. I'm talking cosplaying. 
I'm talking there's nothing else. They're not into Springsteen. They don't know. It, oh, only thing they care about in life is their obsession with Star Wars, and they expect you to be a part of that. So would you rather get on board because they're gorgeous or know there are plenty of fish in the sea? Yeah, I'll pass. Okay. Number three? I'm not interested in nerds. Do you see what happened with Bobby Witt Jr.'s first home run? I did. In, in honor of that, you catch Adley Rutschman's first career home run. Okay. Would you rather give it back for an autographed bat and a chance to meet him or hold on to it? I mean, you probably won't get to enjoy it because you're very old. You'll probably die, but maybe Ethan could enjoy it at some point. That Adley Rutschman might become the player everybody thinks he is, and perhaps that ball could be worth a lot of money in the future. Uh, 100% would give it back to him. Uh, okay, but now let's just pretend nobody was listening. I would 100% give it oh, back to him. Oh, shut up. Stop. I would. Stop that, I'm not into that. I mean, just give the guy the baseball. Everybody I mean, everybody criticized the, way, he the dude. for the Orioles, so you already know what's going to happen in his career. Oh, God, oh, man. Even, he's going to flatline. You know that. I mean, there's no question what's about wrong that. What's with you? What's right wrong up, right up until he goes to the Cubs. God. Once he goes to the Cubs, he'll go out there and tear it up. What a bad guy you are. What a terrible. See, you know, all those people on your website are right. You, all yep. you ever do, all you ever do is hate on As soon as he goes to the Cubs, he's going to start lighting it up. All right, what's happening on uh, fairways and greens? By the way, summer? I heard the date. I'm just saying that. Yeah. I can talk to you about it later. I heard the date of when he's coming up. Well, there's. There's a lot of I mean, a lot of people have circled one particular date, and I okay. I, I I you know I think I, I mean is it <clears throat> is it against the Yankees? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, most people are thinking about the same date. All right. Uh, what's going on in Fairways and Greens this Sunday? Um, got some cool stuff. We are still working on, but probably we'll get finished our toughest 18 holes in Baltimore. So I've had a lot of interesting input from people. Um, trying to create the toughest 18 holes in the private sector. We'll do the public later, but in the private golf courses, we're trying to create the toughest 18 holes. Um, I have Chris Beloga coming on to talk about Loyola's triumph in the Patriot League Golf Championship. They are in the NCAA tournament. So I'll chat with Chris a little bit. And um, we've got some other cool stuff going on. It's uh, Mother's Day, so we might have a Mother's Day golf theme. uh, A lot of people are saying Chris Beloga is the second most accomplished man to ever come out of Perry Hall Middle School. A lot of people uh, people are saying yeah. that. The second yeah. most accomplished man to have ever done that. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, I hear you. At Hits a Hooded Four. At least he graduated. Well, no, I graduated from, from middle school. Right. I mean, oh, come okay. on, man. Gotcha. I don't even remember where Chris ended up going for high school. You go to he Coward went to Coward Hall. Hall. That's what I yeah. thought. Yeah, that's where yeah. he went. At It's a Hooded Four on Twitter, Drew's Morning Some, some of the kids from Perry Hall could actually pass the test to get into Coward Hall back then. <laughs> well, you know what I got on my test. Yeah, barbecue sauce. There we go. That's my guy. DrewsMorningDish.com <laughs> is the web. Which is about what Paul got on his SATs. Appreciate you. <laughs> Paul's in here catching strays on a Wednesday morning. I'll see. Will I see you on Paul. Sunday? Will I see you on Sunday or not? Well, of course you will. Fairways and Greens, 12 to 1. Yeah, all right. See you, buddy. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. See you, pal. Drew Forrest Bye. from Morningdish.com. Checking in with us here on GCR. I love, I love that. You know what? Drew does not tell many good jokes. but it, I, And it's no way that it was an original of his, but one morning, Gravis Vasquez had had a great game the night before, and... um you know, we were talking about Gravis that morning. It was like the big topic of conversation. And I remember, and this is when I was still like kind of in the throes of deeply caring about Maryland. This is Gary Williams, still the coach then. And he uh, he looked over at me and he's like, by the way, do you know what Gravis Vasquez got on his SATs? Like in, in a deadly serious voice. 
Like, like he was trying to say, I know he happened to score a lot better than people would think that he did. Like, mm. you, you don't realize how smart this kid is. He's like, by the way, do you know what Gravis Vesco's got on his SATs? And I'm like, I don't know, what, 1,200? He looked back at me. He said, barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I just and heard I, it, and it's and so I, funny. And I peed myself. <laughs> I was like, you're the least funny person I've ever met in my life. That's genuinely funny. That is a good bit. It's a really good bit. Love that. All right, hour number one of today's show is in the books. Also brought to you by Simply the Bets. If you missed it yesterday, try to get you ready for the week, all the playoff action, the fights, the whole deal. We do Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning, 1140 a.m. It's brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And coming up tomorrow morning, weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 1140 a.m. So every Tuesday at 1140, every other Thursday at 1140 a.m. I'd like to take a break if we could for a weekend at Bookies. When we come back in, uh, Dan Wilcox, our buddy, former Ravens tight end, and, of course, the host of the Believe in Ravens podcast uh, with our buddy Bo Smolka. He's going to check in with us. We will get uh, his thoughts on where the Ravens are after the draft. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks man the champ drew mcintyre thank you for having me the great ron simmons Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com Stay tuned, your chance to win a million dollars is coming up probably not from us you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. If you missed it on Monday night, <coughs> Stan the Fan Ross Grimsley and Press Box editor Luke Jackson did a deep dive into um, Luke's story about Adley Rutschman in this month's uh, Press Box print issue. That show is available right now, facebook.com slash Sports. Click on the videos tab or by going to pressboxonline.com slash video. Coming up this coming Monday, Stan and Ross will catch up with the great Rick Dempsey. Uh, Stan taking uh, Thursday off again this week. I actually don't know what the reason is this week, but that's fine. He's earned it. Man's a legend. He can do whatever he wants to do. He'll be back with you next Monday night. Let's talk a little bit more about the fallout from what the Ravens did and did not do during the course of the weekend. Our next guest, one of our favorites over the years, former Ravens tight end, and now he and our buddy Bo Smolka have a podcast the Believe in Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He's our friend Dan Wilcox, and he's with us now here on GCR. What's going on, pal? How are you? Great, man. How are you this year? Everything is good, man. Like, you know, it's I, we're in that weird spot where, like, I, Dan, I know the Ravens did well, right? Like, I know because, frankly, they always do well in the draft, right? But I, I, I look at these players. I love what they did. I'm just struggling with whether or not they did what they needed to do in order to close the gap, win the AFC North, and win the Super Bowl. And I know that there's not one player that decides that, but I, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm just in this weird place where like I like the players they got, but do I think they're better in they're in better shape to win the Super Bowl because of it? I don't know. You know, I, I the way I look at it like this, I think what happened last season was kind of a, a you know a fluke. You know, so you had 40, 50 injuries last season, and people forget that this team the year before was a Super Bowl contender team. You know, if you take out all the injuries from last season, the Ravens is a much, much, much better program, much better team. You know, so when you go into the draft, you don't need to to buy a whole team. You just need to buy a couple of pieces to make you stronger and make you a little bit deeper in areas that you was lacking last year. And last year was such a weird incident when you lose all your running backs, you lose all your DBs. Yep. You lose half your offensive line, over half your offensive line, and half your D-line. I mean, that stuff doesn't happen every year. I mean, you, you usually lose one or two starters, maybe three starters a year with injuries. But last year, I mean, you're talking about the entire side of the ball wiped out, the entire position wiped out. You know, you're only down to one tight end. You know, like that, that stuff doesn't happen every year. You know, so once you get all those guys back and they're healthy, and then you implement the guys that they're bringing in, plus the guys that they're bringing in through free agency and stuff like that, uh, I, I think we're in a much better, much greater situation than most people think we are in. All right, so what do you make of the wide receiver thing, though, Dan? Like, that's the one. I, right. I, I can't shake that. That I, I uh, in a vacuum, what where they were with Hollywood Brown and him wanting mm-hmm. out, I think they did well, given all of that, right? Like, I think right. to, to make the trade they made and then to recoup a fourth anyway, like, I think they did as well as they could, given those circumstances. But it doesn't change the fact that you now – 
look, I love Rashad Bateman. I think Rashad Bateman's a stud, but, you know, he's not a proven number one receiver in the NFL just yet. And that's it. That's the list. You don't have anything beyond that. I know they're going to run the ball a ton. That's what Greg Roman does. And I know they could still add in a veteran, but like we saw how that worked with Sammy Watkins a year ago. I can't shake that this is an issue for me in thinking this is a Super Bowl caliber team. You know, I, I don't I don't think the the Hollywood, you know, situation is as bad as people think it is. I really don't. Um I think with Bateman, I think with Duvernay, I think with Prochet, I think people are kinda of sleeping on the type of player that Prochet is and I think he's starting to really come into his own. Um as, as you saw throughout the season last year, he got a chance to play a lot of reps. I think this year, I think you'll get a heavier dose of that guy, and um, I think Bateman is. A, I think he's a big time receiver. I really do. I just I feel like he's he's maybe one, two, maybe three big plays away for his company to just really just shoot through the roof. And the Ravens are never done, you know. And so you always got to keep in mind that they're gonna do what they could do during the draft to pick up the best quality players that they can get, you know. And they probably drafted four Hall of Famers, probably. You know, hopefully, not going to work. I was going to say, wow, probably. That is bold, my man. (laughs) Not going to work. You know, hopefully they drafted some guys that's going to take this sport extremely serious. Right. And very passionate. This center, Linderbaum, the kid we drafted, he reminds me a lot of the guy I played with my first two years in the league, Kevin Mawai. And Kevin Mawai was one of the sharpest players I've, I've ever seen in this league. And he was so sharp that he used to do his own game plan every single week you know the coaches would put together their game plan but he would actually put together his own personal game plan he would type it up everything and that allowed wow. him to be sharp week in and week out i think the, the linderbaum kid is kind of the same i think he's kind of cut from that same cloth if you go back and just kind of look at his accolades and look at what he's done in college you know off the field not on the field of course he's a phenomenal athlete on the field but when you look at what he's done off the field all the awards that he's won with academics and stuff like that he's an overachiever you know, so I think he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to come in to help take a lot of pressure off a guy like Lamar Jackson. You know, when, you, when you're the quarterback, you have to orchestrate the whole offense. But if you got a great center, a great center, he takes a lot of that orchestration off of you. He's pointing out who's the mic. He's helping you figure out exactly, you know, when the blitzes are coming. He's studying. He's doing all the things he needs to do to help the quarterback to be the best version of himself that he could be. That's why Peyton Manning and Saturday were so good yeah. together. You know, so um, I really feel like the wide receiver situation won't be as big of a problem as people think it is. We will run the ball. That's why you go see us draft two more tight ends. You know, you still got Nick Boyle. Don't forget that. But then you got Mark Andrews, who arguably the best tight end in the in the game right now. Um, so I think you got receivers all over the field. You go grab two more receiving tight ends. They're going to compete for that that third spot. And then that's going to be great competition for those guys. And then on the outside, you still got two or three guys that, that are difference makers. And you know they're going to pick up some guys on free agency that nobody knows about that the Ravens have. You know, um, when you got somebody like George Kokinas and, and, and George Tees in the back office, man, I'm telling you right now, it's extremely, extremely, extremely hard to, to, to miss a freaking free agent that's out there that nobody knows about. He's a hidden gem that's a baller that's been balling all throughout college. It'll be somebody that'll step up this training camp that'll make you be like, oh, wow, who's this kid? You know, so just be prepared. Uh, Dan Wilcox is with us here in GCR. Dan, I hear you saying that, right? But, like, I brought up right. Sammy Watkins, and, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen this a lot over the years where the Ravens have added in the late stages of free agency. They've brought in a player, Jeremy Macklin, Michael Crabtree, 
you know, Mike Wallace. And for the most part, these are not guys. There, there was a reason why they were still available at this point. These are not guys that have been a particular help for the Ravens. Like, when they've been bold and went out and traded for Anquan Bolden, when they signed to Steve Smith early on, those types of moves have panned out. But the later moves have not. Is there still a guy, you know, T.Y. Hilton, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, is there still a guy that's out there on the market that you would say, this is the guy that I would, I would, I would circle that name, and I would be aggressive to add that guy into this mix because I do still think that there's someone that's capable of making a difference. To me, I mean, you named it just now. I mean, Julio Jones to me is a no freaking brainer. I don't think Landry is a guy that you bring in because he don't have the top end speed that you need. When you're replacing somebody like Hollywood, you got to come up with a dynamic playmaker. Julio has play the game. Not only that, but he's one of the fast keepers that. And he has the size and stuff like that. And he's a, he's basically an oversized receiver. He's, a, he's another tight end that you can use to field and great things with. And he demands respect. He's not going to be on people going to Julio Jones. But there'll be some guys that are gonna, that's going to turn up. You know, you still got all the way to the trade deadline to make this thing happen, right? You know, so by the time this thing is all said and done, they'll find the right guy that'll be a perfect fit for this offensive scheme and for their quarterback that their quarterback could be comfortable with. Antonio Brown is still out there as well. I mean, who wants that problem? Yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised. <laughs> yeah. I'd be still, re- you know. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And, and Odell Beckham's out there too, right? We know he's coming off an injury, so I don't know when he'd be available. And I, I Dan, admittedly, I was the guy that was like, I don't think I want to do that last year. And as it turns right. out, he was a monster and a big part of why the Rams won the Super Bowl. So, I, yeah, I, I'm not dismissive Odell, of it. Odell is a special guy. You yeah, know, he, he. I think he gets such a bad rep because he is a little bit flamboyant. He got blonde hair, the curly stuff on top of his head. He dances all the freaking time. You know, he's on social media doing some stuff like that. You know, but I think he gets really a bad rep. I mean, I think he's a great teammate. I've never heard a teammate complain about the type of guy that he is. All receivers are going to want the ball. So right. To me, that's not an issue for somebody saying to give me the ball. You know, if, you, if you're a receiver and you don't want the ball, it's something wrong with you. You know, I was a tight end that wanted the freaking ball, you know. And I just, <laughs> I, oh, man, I played my role. I think he's at that point in time in his career where he's more of a of a high-profile role player, you know. Um. I, I I hear you, and look, I you know I'm not I'm not saying no to it. I'm not. I yeah. it, you know I just don't. I I think the health thing is the bigger question. Where is he, and when could he be ready to go? And 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 is this you know would he be happy to come in and do exactly what you're talking about? And particularly given we know, so let, let's move into the tra- transition to this, Dan, because we know it's part of the reason why Hollywood Brown wanted out is right. this offense. And you look at the Ravens drafting another couple of tight ends um, in this draft, and. There's a lot of people that say, hey, this is them declaring very loudly that this offense, they're going to do everything in their power to make it look like 2019 again. And, you know, Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league in 2019. The Ravens had the number one offense in football in 2019, but it wasn't because they were throwing the ball to wide receivers, right? They were running the ball, and they were throwing it to tight ends when they threw it. Are you as convinced as everyone else that what they've done – in letting Hollywood Brown go and not prioritizing receiver but seeming to prioritize tight end again is a declaration that they want to get back to three tight ends on the field as much as possible, run, run, run like hell, and shove the ball down teams' throats the way they did in 2019. Absolutely. I think you got a, a prolific quarterback in, in Lamar Jackson that could not only use his arm to beat you but use his legs and his brain as well. So, um for a guy like him to raise the greatness, when you had three 
Pro Bowl caliber tight ends on the team. I mean, to me, that's your that's your that's that's the blueprint. You know, like why would you stare away from the blueprint? You know, last like I can't I can't say enough about last season when you have everybody hurt. It really limits to who it really limits who you are and what you can do. And then you're scared that these guys are not going to be able to perform in all these different positions they're playing in. I mean, guys was playing out of position all over the field last year. You know, and, it, and all your key elements of the offense were were out hurt. I mean, even your quarterback got hurt last year. You know, so I mean, you you have to protect him as best you can by bringing in two more tight ends. Now you put yourself in a situation where you can go three tights or four tights, and um and now what happens is you can protect the quarterback if you want to keep by keeping extra guys in the block, or you know you could you could put those guys out on routes and then you got to have mismatches with with DBs and mm-hmm. linebackers trying to cover them. You know, so that's the whole key to the to what the offense was so great the year prior. You know, you had Jaden Hurst, who linebackers couldn't run with, and Mark Mark Andrews, same thing. You know, safeties and corners and stuff like that was too small for him. Linebackers was too a little bit too slow for him, or wasn't savvy enough or crafty enough to run with him. And then um, you had a guy like Nick Boyle, who was just sneakily, you know, faster than I think people think he is. And then he just plays bigger than what he is, and you know, he's a heck of a he, to me, he's your prototype tight end, what you want, what a true tight end would be, Nick Boyle. You know, your blocker, your receiver. He can catch it when you throw it to him. He can make plays after he catches it when he gets it. And then, um, you know, he can block, you know, extended period of time, no matter who it is on the edge that he has to block. You know, so to me, continuously protecting Lamar would be my main priority as a staff. You know, how do I protect the franchise quarterback that we have how do I put him in a situation where he's not running for his life every single play and he's running on design runs versus having to run when he dropped back for a pass? Right. So I think bringing in extra tight ends allowed him to have a couple more guys in the middle of the field that he could dump them off to on those hot reads a little bit quicker. And um, I think I, th- I think they put themselves in a pretty good situation throughout the draft. I'm not mad at the draft at all. You know, and um, I think I really believe that I think James Prochet is, is a sleeper for a lot of people. Okay. I think they kind of forget about that kid because they don't throw the ball to him enough. To me, he could be a Wes Walker type for you. He can catch 80 balls, 90 balls, if you put him in the middle of the field and cut him loose. You know, so I, I think I think, I think, think they're in a better situation than people think. I think they need more depth at receiver, definitely for sure. I'm sure they're going to bring some young guys in to compete there to push some of those older guys as well. You know, but DuVernay is solid. As long as he can stay healthy, he's a solid guy. I like him a lot. You know, I like Prochet, and then I like Bateman. You know, I really do. I think Bateman, yeah. I think Bateman could be. I don't think he's an elite receiver like Julio Jones was when he was in the Falcons. You know, but I definitely think he's a a, a, a guy that could be a pro bowler for you. Oh, he's got look, man. I love Dan. I love Rashad Bateman. Like he just right. as from from a skill perspective. I think he is the most talented receiver the Ravens have had since Anquan Bolton. I think that's how much he brings to the table. We just haven't yet seen that all put together, right? Like he's still got to go out and prove it to be that guy. But man, when you see what's in what's in his bag, what he's capable of doing, what his skills are, it is hard to not be enamored with Rashad Bateman and the player that he's capable of being. Yeah, I, I, I really truly feel like he needs to spend a little bit more time, you know, with Lamar. You know, like, I feel like there's something that's missing there between those two guys. I'm not saying they got a bad relationship or anything like that. I just feel like Hollywood had been so close to Lamar, right? And I feel like Bateman needs to kind of take that position right now while he has the opportunity. He needs to slide on in and become Lamar's best friend, you know, so they can figure out a way to, to be on the same page when they throw. They need to be throwing together in the offseason and, and doing stuff they got to do in training camp to get better. 
And I think that's one, that's one of the things I think I missed out on is being a pro. You know, I didn't take enough time to go be with my quarterback, you know, to spend that time, the extra time with him. All right, uh, Dan, before I let you go, the AFC is loaded. It's nuts. It's murderer's row, right? Not just the North, but the West is insane. Um, right. It, it, this is going to be very difficult. Ultimately, for the Ravens to break through what is a very, I mean, this is this is the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals and Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert and, you know, Devontae Adams. And that, like, for them to break through all of this, what has to go right for them this season in order to break through what is an, an overwhelming, at this point, AFC? Uh, I think the Ravens just got to be them. You know, they got to play their game all year. You know, they got, of course, they're going to slow teams down. They got to be able to put points on the board. You can't win in this league without putting points on the board. I mean, not against the Buffalo Bills, the freaking Patriots. I think the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are going to fall to the wayside this year. But I think the Jets, when it got stacked, the Bengals are absolutely explosive. Pittsburgh is who they are. You know, and Tennessee's been a contender, you know, the last couple of years. I think there still be a problem with Derrick Henry down there. You know, so, I mean, Kansas City is who they are, too. You know, they're a special team, you know. So, to me, the Ravens just got to be consistent. They just have to be consistent. They got to find out a way to be able to score points, um, to run the, the pound the rock, beat people up, and play smash-mouth physical football the way the Ravens have always played. You know, the Ravens have always been the boogeyman in the league, you ask me. They've always been a team that, that they, when you go to sleep, you have nightmares about. And they need to be nightmares. They need to be terrors this year. You know, they need to be the team that they've always been. They need to be, be dressed in. They need to be. They need to play that Black Saturday, that Black Sunday um, outfit as much as possible. <laughs> they need to just be. You know, they need to be Baltimore, man. They, they, they got to go be more. They got to go be more than what they were last year. You know, they got to stop being. They got to get rid of the injuries and get their key guys back on the field and keep those guys healthy. Yeah, health obviously being a chief among these things. At Coach Wilcox on Twitter is how you follow him. Uh, of course, the Believe in Ravens podcast, the Believe Networks with Dan and Bo Smolka. Uh, Dan, anything else I can plug for you, my friends? No, oh, man, that's it, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. It's always good to catch up with you, my friend. Let's do it again soon, all right? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. The great Dan Wilcox, former Ravens tight end. Checking in with us here on GCR with his thoughts. Boy, man, if they find five, if they find four Hall of Famers, I mean, for Christ's sakes, this is probably gonna be a moot conversation. If they're all Hall of Famers, it's probably because they've all helped the Ravens win Super Bowls. I am, I'm still, I'm, I can't shake the, I can't shake the wide risk. Just, I hear you. I think James Prochet is a player. I like James Prochet, but there's a big difference between believing that and counting on it. That's what I'm struggling with. When I think of James Prochet, I always think of Jarvis Landry. I think he has that type of ability, catches the football, tough, all of those things, but you got to go do it. Yeah. Again, just a- assuming it or saying we think he can versus either he can or you're screwed is a big difference. There's also no backup plan at the moment, right? right? Like right now you're thin and nobody's hurt. I got right. bad news. Somebody's getting hurt on top of this. Mm-hmm. So we can you can love these receivers as much as you want. They're not all staying healthy. It's the NFL. It's that's the way what, that it works. That's what Dan just said. The Ravens are not done yet. They'll go. I, I have to believe they'll go get somebody. I, well, all right. Well, let's get into it. Would you rather Wednesday? Uh, today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Still looking for folks that are ready to help make a difference. Join a proud new generation, the Baltimore Police. Make that active difference in your community. 
Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. You you say that the wrong people are the people that are police. Step up. Step up to the plate. Be the one to say, I'm going to be the one that makes a difference. I'm going to be the one to lead in the community that way. bpdrecruit.org. All right. Um, Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Three scenarios. Number one is exactly what we're talking about. T.Y. Hilton or Let the Young Guys Sink or Swim? Let the Young Guys Sink or Swim. T.Y. Hilton, like you say, he had 331 receiving yards in 10 games last year. I think his career is really, really on the downward trend, and I don't see a difference in bringing him in than bringing in Sammy Watkins last year. So I'm in a weird spot because T.Y. Hilton is definitely not the guy that I want. Um, I don't think T.Y. Hilton helps you all that much, but because of what we just talked about, I still think I would have to go that route. I, mm-hmm. I, It's problematic, Right, I, and I, I, I have really struggled with this because my answer is somebody's getting hurt, and and right now you have a sheer numbers problem at wide receiver beyond not being top heavy enough. Right. Well, T.Y. Hilton's not hel- helping you with the top heavy part of it. He's just not that player anymore, but he does give you a sheer number. The issue becomes in this scenario, T.Y. Hilton's coming in moving ahead of the young receivers. I want to have my cake and eat it too and say, we'll bring in T.Y. Hilton, but just have him be an emergency option if somebody gets hurt. Well, that's too easy. Would you rather right. Wednesday doesn't work that way? You're bringing him in and he's he's taking on a role if that's the way that it goes. I still think that ultimately the numbers problem is significant enough that you have to do it. Mm. Like I Just having, there are four guys right now, four, that are even semi-qualified NFL receivers. And let's be fair, we're squinting in order to make Tylon Wallace one of those guys. And not because I don't think Tylon Wallace is talented. I think he's talented. I think that Tylon Wallace is somebody that they like a lot. They bring his name up constantly. There are people that believe that if Tylon Wallace hadn't gotten hurt in 2019, then maybe he would have gone higher in last year's draft. I, I think that's a reach, right? Because he came back, he played, he was healthy the following season. He was the leading receiver in the entire Big 12 and yet, he still fell well into the NFL draft. So I think it's a reach to say that it's about the injury. and that. But it doesn't mean that he's not talented and that he couldn't still be a big part of this solution somehow. Sure. Again, I still think that at the end of the day, you're dealing with a numbers problem. There are four even semi-qualified wide receivers on this roster. And I guess my answer would be I'd rather bring somebody in who you know is a bottom of the... like. In order to solve the numbers problem, I'd rather that guy be someone that's not a threat to take away playing time from these guys or someone who's really good. Jarvis Landry, I still think, is really good, so of course I'd prefer it to be Jarvis Landry. But forced to make a decision between one or the other, I probably still have to take T.Y. Hilton just because the numbers situation Makes sense. is overwhelming. I can't argue with that. But it, it ain't it ain't perfect. Mm. You know, it ain't it ain't ideal. There's no doubt about it. Um this one's this one's kind of split. Um, Doug, I'm not sure that there's anything left in the T.Y. Hilton basket, so I'd roll with the guys that we got. I, I agree with that. Mark, I'd have to go with the veteran. I'd love for the new guys to step up, but until they do, you need to have some proven guys on the field too. Yeah, but, you know, how proven is T.Y. Hilton at this point in his career, right? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. Um 
Uh, Govin, it's not feasible to go into the season relying on guys like Prochet, Duvernay, Wallace. They might be the guys, but at minimum we need them to compete with an established veteran who is at least an insurance policy in case that doesn't pan out. Again, the question is, can, is T.Y. Hilton an insurance policy? If, like, if he has to play, can he help? Mm. Don't you have a bigger problem? If, T, if these guys can't beat out T.Y. Hilton at this point in their career, the answer might just be you are screwed. And this is what, year three for DuVernay and Prochet? Mm-hmm. Year, year and three. Year two for Wallace. If, if, if they were going to prove it, now's the time to prove it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, the definitely a, there's definitely an S or get off the pot kind of situation with these guys. Right. Um, but again, I'd rather I'd rather that them be the third and the fourth. Right, the wide receivers all play. Mm-hmm. Like if you're good, you can get on the field, even if you're the third or the fourth wide receiver on a team. So I'd rather them be the third or the fourth wide receiver on a team than immediately have to be the number two guy going into the season. Right. That's just that's that's where I am. But I, I get it. T. Y. Hilton's not a great answer. It's the reason why this is the question. That's the case. Number two, um, I'm, I'm sorry I don't know what happened, but Mrs. Valley wised up and, and she's moved on and you are single again, my friend. You meet someone, gorgeous, extraordinarily attractive, but Star Wars obsessed. Of course, there are plenty of those people coming out the woodwork today, and I mean obsessed. I mean like it controls their life. They go to all the cons. Their friends are all other Star Wars obsessed people. They're going to be coming over to your house. They're going to be cosplaying, and she's like, look, man, you know, this is a part of my life. I'm going to need you to have some sort of involvement with it. Not maybe like her, but some sort of involvement with it, and that's all she's into. There's nothing else. She's not also a baseball fan. She's not also a reggae music fan. She's not also a foodie. She's just her singular identity in life is Star Wars. She believes it to be a personality trait. Do I have to miss... Like Ravens games, you go to to Star Wars stuff. You might be able to work it out somehow. You might be able to make it work, but it, there's going to be conflict at some point. There's no doubt about that. <sighs> or there are plenty of fish in the sea. But again, gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous, stunning, way out of your league. Yeah, man. I'd put up with it to start. But eventually, I'd be like, I can't go to another freaking cosplay thing. I think I'm going to have to say there's other, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Okay. For the most part, that's what we're getting, um, except for the people that are also Star Wars. <laughs> like my, my Mark is, I, I can't believe, I can't believe this is even a question. Like, of course, it's Star Wars because he loves Star Wars because he's super into it. I've seen I, two Star Wars films in my entire life. Um, I went. I'm not a Star Wars guy in any way. I went and watched the one that everybody hated, and I was like, "This is actually a fine film," which made <laughs> me realize that like I'm just never going to be a Star Wars guy. If all the Star Wars people hate it, and I was like, "That eh, I've seen worse things." The Phantom Menace with Jar Jar Binks. No, it, well, I definitely saw that one in a theater because it was, was everybody was so excited about it. That wasn't as bad. People didn't hate that as much. I went and saw the. It was the. The solo, just the, the the movie that was about. Oh yeah, yeah. I went and saw that one. That was not part of the the. Con- it wasn't one of the nine. Mm-hmm. It was some other. It was a Star like Wars a story, right? Mm-hmm. And I went and saw that in the theater with my wife because she couldn't find anybody else to go, and she loves the Star Wars movies. Not like this. Like she's not. Right. My God. Um. But she really does enjoy the Star Wars movies, and so she wanted to see it. And I was like, All right, fine. I'll watch the stupid Star Wars movie with you. And I walked out of it, and I was like, I didn't hate that. I have definitely walked out of movie theaters. Like, I went and saw the first Lord of the Rings movie. I didn't pay for it, and I started demanding for others people, other people's money back. 
it was an abomination. It was a joke, the first Lord of the Rings movie. They walked around for three hours. The three hours of them walking the F around, and then the, the skinny guy saying to the fat guy, hey, I'm glad you're along for the ride, pal. Like, that was <laughs> the entire climax of the... It was dreadful. I had to go see a, an effing Twilight movie once with my wife because she couldn't find somebody else to go, and she promised me a one-time anything in return. And, like, you know... That's a pretty valuable card to have in your Ice book. cream in bed for the win. Exactly right. That's exactly how I was going to cash it in. So I went and saw the stupid, um, the, uh, the the stupid uh, the Twilight movie. It was hor- it was so much worse than the Solo movie was. The Solo movie was it was never a movie I was going to watch again in my life. But I was like, eh, that was fairly entertaining. If you don't know anything about Han Solo and you don't expect a certain, you have no expectations. I, I I've never seen the movie. But I can imagine it not being as bad if you have no expectations and don't have. I mean, I don't know what people thought it was supposed to be, but it was it was an entertaining flick. It was fine. It was, mm-hmm. it was. Again, it's not for me, but I walked out of it like, yeah, I didn't. You know, I've I've wasted two hours in 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 drastically worse ways in my life. My stepbrother and I went to see the Great and Powerful, that uh, Wizard of Oz movie with James Franco. Oh my God, I vaguely remember that. And we walked out within the first ten minutes and got our money back. Like we legitimately, it's wow. it, it was. I've never, I have never, a- I've never actually asked for my money back in a movie, and I've seen some bad. We movies. didn't ask for it. They, we, we we said, look, this movie was absolutely awful. Can we get some? Ba-? They like, we'll just give you your money back, and they gave us some money back, and we left. Oh, they would just give you like a ticket to go see a different movie or something yeah. like that. I, I, I think the way that I would go. About I think we settled back. on that because there was no nothing else to see. But for another day, they've got like they can give you a pass to come right. back and see another film at some point. That's a that's a weird bit giving the money back. Um, anyway, uh, the moral of the story being it's, it's mostly people that are agreeing there are plenty of fish in the sea. I just feel like you're not understanding. I'm trying to sell, like, this is somebody who's Margot Robbie attractive. This is someone who's so insanely attractive. Like, it makes no bloody sense that they want to have anything to do with you. And I know you're an attractive man, Paul, but imagine how attractive this woman is. Imagine how attractive this person is. For it to be that far, well, I've out already of your got league. that with my wife. Oh, stop it! The, your wife again. God bless. I'm telling you. I'm so sorry. That's no longer part of the equation. You don't. Yeah. You can't fall back to that. There's yeah. none of that. It's this, or you're going back fishing again. That's the way that it goes. I don't know, man. I, I, I've I've been with some good-looking women who have the, the personalities were dull as a bag of bricks. I, I, I. I Eventually, but this it's isn't too much. dull. This is just a very unique. It's dull to me. It's it's interesting. They have a passion. I would rather be with somebody who has a passion than be with someone who doesn't have any passion whatsoever for anything. My wife has a new passion every like six months. That's different. That's not really a passion. That's that's. Oh, a, she gets. Uh, at one point, we had like ninety plants in our house. I, I, I think understand. We're down to like but six. That's, <laughs> if it's not lasting, it's a hobby. Yeah. Like it's just a it's just a weird hobby that you have for a little while. I like the idea of someone having a life passion, mm-hmm. like something they're really into. I just don't think that uniquely this one. Like you know, in fairness, like if you would have told me all those years ago that I was going to marry someone whose life's passion was horses, I would have been like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. But. Look at how my life turned out. I live on a horse farm now. Like this is not the way that I expected things to go for twenty-two-year-old Glenn Clark. But <laughs> this is what happens. All right. And uh, number three, would you rather you catch Adley Rutschman's first home run ball? You trade it back for uh, and uh, by the way, I do have to clarify something. You trade it back for uh, the chance to meet him and get an autographed bat, or you hold on to it in case he's really good. Um, if you hold on to it. 
people don't have to know who you are. I know that's going to sound weird, right? Like, how, how could that be possible? They're going to see me on video. They're going to out me. I, I would leave it at people don't have to know who you are. Or if they do, because this is brought up by a couple of people, like they, you'd be a villain in Baltimore. And that does stack the deck a little bit for the question. Mm. So I'm saying that somehow, some way, no one really got a good shot of your face. You were able to get out, and it never becomes public knowledge who you are. Yeah, I got to get the ball back. I just, I know who I am. And it, it, I like to put myself in that, in the other person's shoes. And if I was Adley Rutschman and I hit my first home run, I want that ball. Of course. I, I, I want that ball back. And I'd be pretty pissed off if somebody was trying to extort me. And not that, not that you're extorting Adley Rutschman. I get it. You can hang on to it and maybe it's worth $500,000 later in life. But to me, it's a little bit of an extortion. Like, I want all this money for this ball. A, a bat meeting Adley Rushman, maybe we become best friends and we hang yeah, out. Yeah, that's not going to be a thing. You know, it's definitely not <laughs> a thing. Stop that. Look, man, um, I, and, and everybody's saying the same thing. But the reason I asked the question is because we had this conversation with the Tom Brady ball last year. We had this conversation, whatever it was, the six hundredth, whatever the, the the ball was that Rob Gronkowski threw into the stands like an idiot, and then they had to trade some NFT or something in order to get the ball back. And everybody on the planet's like. What's this guy doing? You know, this ball could be worth millions of dollars. Like, what's the the crazy part? And I said then, like, this is not hard for me. Like, there's no debate to this. Like, this is not mine. I I have it, but it ain't mine. Mm. And so I was the guy that was championing while everybody else was saying, This guy got a, a bad deal. Like he could have done much he could have done way better and you could have made so much money off this ball. I've never understood that, and it is unique that now when I present it in a scenario where it's something related to the Orioles, something we none of us cared about Tom Brady, so it was easy for us to say, ah, ha, ha, the hell with it. I'm taking my money. Screw you guys. I got to do better. The moment I make it something related to something we care about, the moment I bring home, all of a sudden everybody's lining up and saying the exact same thing, which maybe is the way to say either you were lying about what you would have done if you were in the Tom Brady situation or – you're just vapid, and as, if it doesn't impact me, it doesn't impact me. You know, I don't know which one is true, but everybody's lining up the way that you are with this one, which I think is the correct answer. I get it. If a lot of people are saying, well, I'd like to be able to negotiate something a bit more than just an autographed bet. I mean, whatever, some tickets or something. I don't know. I mean, who wants tickets to the Orioles right now? <laughs> you can basically, Luxury get, box basically get those for free. I mean, like, I don't think you have to do all that much negotiating. Um, whatever it is that you can get, you get it. But this is it. At the end of the day, all you get is an autographed bet. Yes, I agree. It's still the right thing to do to give Adley Rutschman the ball back, and and it's it, you do get to have that moment, and it means something to you. But you are gonna feel stupid one day. You will feel stupid if one day down the road Adley Rutschman becomes the greatest baseball player of all time, and you find out some you know whoever Todd McFarlane was willing to pay you. $3 million for the baseball, and you don't have it. I think I'd be able to separate. I, I mean, it's his first home run. I, un, I think in the moment, there's no question. I think I genuinely believe that in the moment, everybody would give the ball back. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. I'm saying that down the road, if Adley Rutschman becomes that guy, and I get it, it's a very it's a small chance he becomes that guy. But even if he becomes a, a Hall of Fame caliber player, Bench. even if he becomes that that ball will be worth a lot of money, not millions of dollars, but it might be worth six figures one day. And that might be something that you lament, that you wake up one morning and you say to yourself, like, yeah, it would have sucked, but 
I would like to have that three hundred thousand dollars. I'd like yeah. to have that. I don't know. I, I feel like when you give the ball back, you kind of just accept the fact that if this is... Uh, I, I hear you. you know. I hear you. I just think that it's something that you're no going to thinking about. All right. Uh, continue to get your responses in for Would You Rather Wednesday, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Again, someone is winning. $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Just for participating, we'll pull someone out at random. I think I'm like two... Two weeks behind, actually. I apologize. So I think I need to send out a couple other Glory Days Grill gift cards in the next day or two. At Glenn Clark Radio, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Those are the ways to respond to Would You Rather Wednesday. When we come back in, uh, we're going to get ready for the Kentucky Derby. I got to be honest with you. I have not spent nearly, an, or I haven't spent, is that a double negative there? How do I say that the correct way? I've not spent nearly enough time. That's right. I haven't. But I've I've not spent nearly enough time. But does isn't there, that a double only, negative? No, there's only one negative. I've not. I've spent not spent nearly enough. Nearly, enough, nearly is enough. not a negative. Nearly's what is it? Like a qualifier, I guess. Yeah, I've not spent nearly, nearly enough, enough time. time. All right, I've uh, not spent right. nearly enough time. I've not spent enough time is probably the the like just to avoid the awkwardness yes. of it. I've not spent enough time. We got to the bottom of that for you guys, and you're welcome. All right. There's a reason why you tune in. It's because of the hard-hitting lessons that you learn. I've not spent enough time preparing for this year's Kentucky Derby. I'm a little bit behind, so hopefully Randy Moss from NBC is going to help me get caught up and uh, let me know what it is that we need to know ahead of Saturday's race with no Bob Baffert in the mix. We'll talk about that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MD gamblinghelp.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. That's the Bat Around, live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. 
The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. This is a great question from Dave. Dave says, Glenn, you're the guy the Royals tasked with going in and trying to find Bobby Witt Jr.'s first home run ball after it was thrown into the fountain. Are you actually trying to figure out if there's a way you can determine that it's Bobby Witt Jr.'s ball, or if you find any ball at all, are you declaring that's the ball and giving it back to him? Great question. Do they just leave balls in that fountain? Well, I mean, I don't know, right? But that was the theory that people were talking about. This, So if you didn't see it, Bobby Wood Jr. hits his first home run. Who's the name of the outfielder for the the? It was the Phillies, right? No, it was the Cardinals. The Cardinals. Uh, was it Tyler O'Neill? No, it wasn't O'Neill. It was Dylan ba- Carlson. No, Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. That's exactly who it was. Harrison Bader. I don't even remember. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I know our buddy uh, Eric Arditi wrote about it at Barstool. Um, try to pull this up uh, because I don't even remember how the ball did, like it apparently bounced back to the field. I didn't see the video. All I know, all I saw is the part where he threw it into the the fountain. Oh, well, okay. so, I didn't see any of it. Okay, so Bader, Bobby Witt Jr. hits his first home run. Let's see if I can pull up the video so I have a, a better answer on this question. Bobby Witt Jr. hits his first home run. It it rolls back out onto the field. Okay, I see it now. You can it 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 bounces just over the wall into the crowd, rolls back onto the field. Bader picks it up and lobs it into the fountain. Now, the fountain is now so far away. And looking at it now, I don't I don't know if it's just being tagged during batting practice or not. Like, I don't know if there are 10 balls that go into the fountain during batting practice, but it's not so far away that you would think that it's impossible that it isn't loaded up with batting practice balls, right? Right. And I also don't know why they would feel the need to clean balls out of the fountain between batting practice and a game. Oh, I doubt that they would. Right? So if any balls at all went into that fountain during batting practice, they're still in there. And Why would he throw it into the fountain? Wait, clearly he didn't know. Uh, right? Clearly he didn't. But why would he throw uh, Was he trying to throw it to a no, fan and he just missed? Either either that, like the lob definitely appeared as though he was purposely trying to get it into the fountain. Looking, looking at it one more time, I'm lo- watching him lob the ball. He's clearly lobbing it towards the fountain. I'm going to uh, just see if I can. If there's any way to believe that he was trying to throw it to a fan and just overthrew it. No, nah, he put a lot of arc on that ball. I think he was trying to throw that ball into the fountain. I think he was pissed off that they gave up a home run. And so he just threw it into the fountain, right, for funsies. Having no thought process at all in his mind that it was Bobby Witt Jr.'s first home run, mm. right? Like it just doesn't. All it is is we gave up a home run. I'm pissed off about it. Fountain, right? So if I'm the guy that the Royals task was saying, hey, you got to go get that ball. It's Bobby Witt Jr.'s first home run. And I go approach that fountain, and there's a bunch of baseballs in it. I mean, I'm being as honest as I can about it. I might go get all of the baseballs. I might go get a bucket, put all the baseballs in the bucket, walk back and say, you guys decide which one you think is Bobby Witt Jr.'s ball. Because there's just no bloody way for you to know. It's impossible. So am I lying about it and saying, like, I... 
And I, this kid is obviously very low on the totem pole. Am I lying and saying I'm convinced I have the ball? Am I Ben Stillering this and you know painting a, a tail on a cat? I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm just putting all the balls in a bucket and saying, you figure it out. You tell them which yeah, one you think it is. Just give him all the balls. He puts them all in his mantle. 100%. And, and one of, the, they one all, of these balls. They like, all say maybe? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. One of these balls. You can give them out to people and say, you might have the first Bobby Witt Jr. home run ball. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Look, it's, I'd be pissed off if I'm Bobby Witt Jr., but nothing you can do about it. If maybe. you're if you're the kid working for the Royals, there's nothing you can do about maybe it. Maybe throw Bader in the fountain and say, you get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You screwed it up. You go get it. All right, the Kentucky Derby is coming up this Saturday down in Louisville. Always appreciate an opportunity to catch up with our next guest. Of course, he is with NBC. He will be part of their coverage of the run for the Roses. He is Mr. Randy Moss, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Randy, it's Glenn and Paul back in Baltimore. It's always good to catch up with you, sir. Thank you so much for taking the time for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of cracking up here. You guys call me on my cell phone, obviously, and the phone rings, and I look down, and the phone says, Maryland Jewish. I've had somebody else say that to me over the years. I don't know <laughs> what the story is about that. I, I wish I could tell you there's some – I don't know what that is. I don't know who had this phone number before we had it. I know nothing about that. And I'm also, by the way, convinced that's why we've missed some guests over the years, Randy, is because we, we booked something, and then somebody looked down and was like, who the hell is this calling? It's very, well, here I am. Don't get me wrong but the other thing too randy is i have i've run that up the flagpole with the bosses and as you can tell they got right on it they got right <laughs> on fixing that uh, over the years okay randy moss good to catch up with you sir let me start with the you know i guess what's the elephant in the room it's the guy who's not there it, how right. weird is it for there to be a kentucky derby and there to be no bob baffert in louisville it is well i mean there have been years where bob through you know odd circumstances, his three-year-olds didn't quite develop, and he wound up with no horses in the Kentucky Derby, you know, and all that. So it's not completely unprecedented, but you know he's got had continues to have you know his barn um, at Santa Anita that is now suspended. But I mean he's got good three-year-olds this year, so right. his absence is very conspicuous at Churchill Downs. I mean he's the most successful trainer in the history of thoroughbred racing. He's, in my opinion, the most successful trainer in the history of the Kentucky Derby. Um, fortunately, his two best three-year-olds are still here running under another trainer in Messier and Taba. So so tell me, because Messier in particular, I know, is is one that I'm every, a lot of people are talking about. Timmy mm-hmm. Acting is operating as trainer. Like... If, if somebody from the outside world, and, and Randy, at this point, I mean, I used to go down and cover the race and do my show. I'm, I'm now officially an outsider at this point. If somebody okay. says, well, how can somebody really be punished if their horses are still going to have a chance to win a Kentucky Derby? Is that a, is that a reasonable question, or, or how do we handle that? Well, the, the punishment was obviously specific to Bob Baffert, not specific to the owners of these two particular horses, Messier and Taba, and other horses that were in the Baffert uh, shed row. Um, so the powers that be didn't want to penalize the owners, uh, didn't want to you know, penalize them by not giving the horses that they own a chance to compete. So when Bob Baffert was you know, banned by Churchill Downs and then subsequently suspended for 90 days by the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, you know, Bob just had to step away. And, I mean, yeah, he has nothing as of the second week in April. He's had zero to do 
with these horses. They can't, uh, the, the trainer that they were switched to, Tim Yakteen, uh, you know, can have no phone conversations with Baffert, no email correspondence. You know, Bob has to be completely divorced from any of these horses and any of the assistant trainers and grooms and everything. So, you know, this, and he obviously can't share financially in any of the winnings that the horses might accrue in the, in the Kentucky Derby. So Bob is not a part of this on paper, but obviously his fingerprints are all over it because he developed these horses from their two-year-old year all the way up until the second week of April. Randy, how much of an issue is this within the sport? Look, when we get to Saturday and, and you guys do your broadcast and everybody sees that a, a packed Churchill Downs once again and it looks like the Kentucky Derby, the moment will, of course, be wonderful. And every, But within the sport itself, how much of a shadow has this cast? Shadow is an... It, I, I'm not sure it's cast a shadow it, it, with, within the sport. Yeah. Um, it... I liken it a little bit, honestly, to uh, to where we are right now with, in the political world and politics, where there is no middle ground. You're polarized nowadays. You're either far left, far right, right? And with the Bob Baffert situation within the sport and also, I think, in the fan, the fan base of the sport, it's very similar. There are people who think you know, they should rule him off for life. Bob's a cheater. Um, he's doping his horses. And then there are the people on the other side that say, you know, he's been made an example of uh, unfairly. This is like cancel culture. Um, you know, he's been the greatest ambassador for the sport. The sport has seen in the yeah. last 20 or 30 years. He's the face of the sport. There's no one in the sensible middle ground on Bob Baffert. And that certainly doesn't help the sport. Um, no, of course not, right? And, and, and how do you guys handle that on NBC on Saturday, right? Like you, again, you're presenting what is a Kentucky Derby and, and qualified horses and people that belong there, but to your point, this has been the biggest figure in the entire sport for a very long time, and he's not there. How do you guys handle that on NBC on Saturday? Well, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're definitely, I mean, it's a 300-pound gorilla in the room. Right. It, it's, we're we're going to spend a whole segment addressing it. I think Mike Tirico is going to have a sit-down with uh, Bill Karstanagen, who is the head of Churchill Downs. Um, Churchill Downs has taken a very hardcore attitude toward Baffert. Um, so I, I think the sensible middle ground that I was talking about, about Bob Baffert, um, should be this, Okay. He's none of the medication problems that Baffert has had over the last two years has anything to do with someone who was trying to cheat the system and was willfully trying to drug horses in order to gain an advantage. They almost every single one of those violations were the result of medications that are widely used that are legal in the sport of thoroughbred racing just not on race day up you know up up to a certain amount and he and there's it's really carelessness more than anything else right it's not being buttoned up enough um so that's really where the issue has been with with uh with baffert and it just happened to have to occur 
in the greatest horse race in the world, the Kentucky Derby, and Churchill Downs is fiercely protecting its brand and is really coming down hard. And obviously he won't be at Preakness here in Baltimore in a couple weeks either. I promise this is the right. last one about Baffert because I want to talk about the horses. When the, when the punishment is over, is is he going to be welcomed back? Like, will the sport, you know, to speak to all these things you're talking about, will it be okay or will there still be a lot of awkwardness to this and, and there will be people that will never receive him the same way? Uh, there will be people in the fan bases in particular. Uh, a lot of horse players, a lot of horse racing fans who see headlines in the newspapers and things like that. Uh, Medina Spirit uh, fails dope tests, yep. you know, doped in Kentucky Derby, whatever. They don't really understand what the exact circumstances are, that the horse had 21 trillionths of a gram of a legal, a, a normally legal medication in his bloodstream uh, for every milliliter of blood, which is my, you, you, you would need an electron microscope to be able to see the amount that was in his system. It had zero impact on the way Medina Spirit ran in the Kentucky Derby. Medina Spirit was a deserving winner, but it was a rules violation nonetheless. Uh, never mind that if the Kentucky Derby had been run in Florida, it would have been legal. If the right. Kentucky Derby had been run in California, it would have been legal. The specific Kentucky rules, it was a rules violation. And the rules are rules. And that's what the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission has determined. And that's what the courts so far has determined. So punishment is warranted. And that's where we're at. All right, uh, Randy Moss, how we uh, how am I making money on Saturday? I know that Epicenter and Zandon are the two favorites, and I know that Steve Asmussen winning a Kentucky Derby is a big storyline going in, but it's the 20-horse field and the Kentucky Derby. I just never know what to make of it. What, what, what are the interesting things I should be looking for, and how can I make some damn money on this race on Saturday? Here's the way I think you would have the best chance at and making some money. Epicenter and Zandon are the favorites. They are on paper, in my opinion, the two best horses in the field. Uh, the other two top-level horses that are getting a lot of attention are the horses from California, Messier, right. who I don't think is finishing his races as well as he should, and Taba, who won the Santa Anita Derby and beat Messier in the stretch that day, who's only had two lifetime starts and in my opinion, has not been training since the Santa Anita Derby at the level that you would expect to see of a Kentucky Derby winner. So I think it comes, it's good, the winner is going to come down to either Epicenter or Zandon, in my opinion. But again, you can't make a lot of money on those because they're the favorites. So then you start looking for horses to hook up with them. Yep. And exactas, trifectas, superfectas. And I think you should focus primarily on two horses to really try to break the bank. The one is the Japanese horse, mm. Crown Pride, who has looked absolutely sensational at Churchill Downs over the last few okay. weeks, including this, including this morning. He had a workout this morning that even the opposing trainers were just raving about. Wow. Did you see that horse work? You know, holy crap. So, and he's 30 to 1 in the program. So he's going to run a big race, I think. And it might even be good enough to win. 
So I would also put him on top in some of the uh, in some of the wagers. And the other horse is Smile Happy, who's come uh, flown completely under the radar this week. He's a horse that won the big race at Churchill Downs that they have for two-year-olds in the fall in November. The Kentucky Jockey Club loves the track. He's had some excuses in his last couple of races, especially the Bluegrass, where he was second to Zandon. He was really wide on the first turn. Um, and he's a very consistent, very hard-trying horse. So I think Smile Happy is going to run a good race. And he's 20 to 1. So, you know, use those two with the favorites. You know, use a horse like Quieta Barrio, who's done nothing wrong, uh, who won the Florida Derby. Put him underneath there as well. And, you know, if you get the right combination, you can really hit a lot, hit a nice bet. I will, I will inevitably end up taking that. The best story that can happen on Saturday, the best, you know, moving forward to us in Baltimore, what's the best story that could play out on Saturday, Randy? The best story that could play out, I think, is, is a Japanese win. Okay. You know, the Japanese have never won the Kentucky Derby. Um, last fall, when we went to the Breeders' Cup at, uh, at Del Mar, uh, a Japanese horse had never won the Breeders' Cup. And they won two of them, Marsh Lorraine and Love's Only You, both winners. Neither one of them looked like they had a chance to win on paper, really. Love's Only You looked like she, she could run well, so I take that back. But Marsh Lorraine looked like she had no chance to win the Breeders' Cup distaff. And she wins at a huge price. Then in Saudi Arabia in February, they have a huge day with the $20 million race the Saudi Cup. A lot of stakes races on the undercard. The Japanese won four of the undercard races. In March in Dubai for the Dubai World Cup, the Japanese won five of the undercard races. They are kicking butt hmm. right now worldwide everywhere they go and now you come to the kentucky derby and this horse has been training lights out he's won three of his four lifetime starts um yeah i think that would be a great storyline going would, into uh going into baltimore be a lot of international interest at randy yeah. underscore moss underscore tv is how you follow him randy moss always appreciate taking the time for us my friend enjoy it on saturday and let's talk again as we get closer to preakness all right yeah i can't wait to get some of those uh Steamed crabs in Baltimore. Hell Saturday. yeah, man. It's uh, uh, finally a normal preakness again. We can't wait. Thank you, sir. There you go. Bye-bye. Randy Moss checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time. Yes, obviously the big storyline with the Kentucky Derby, unfortunately, is the horse that isn't there. I mean, that's just the reality of the circumstances. Um, nothing you can do about that. Or not Sorry, not the horse that isn't there. Jesus, the trainer that isn't there. Is the reality of the circumstances. All right, I've taken all three breaks, right? I don't have to take any more breaks. I'm you good. have. That sounds like a 30 for 30. The, the, the trainer, the who trainer wasn't there. that wasn't there. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Hey, if you picked up this uh, print issue of Press Box yet, I encourage you to go do it right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. You can read it all at pressboxonline.com. Adley Rutschman on the cover, a great cover story from Luke Jackson about Adley Rutschman, where his passion comes from, what he brings to the table as a leader immediately when he reaches the majors here in a couple of weeks. He's DHing today in Bowie, I guess because it's a day game after a night game. They're playing back-to-back day games. They're playing a day game today, day game tomorrow. So uh, I imagine that means he catches again tomorrow. I'm guess- guessing. I don't know, but he's DHing today for the Bay of Sox. Uh, as that game is about to get underway with Adley Rutschman in the lineup. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the place to be for the playoffs, basketball and hockey, as well as all of the big fights, including this Saturday, UFC 274. 
Oliveira and Gaethje, as well as Canelo Alvarez. It's all coming up this Saturday. You want to reserve your spot. Events at SportsSocialMD.com is the way to do it. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook for you to get all of your bets in for any event. What you got? All right. So the Orioles, surprise, surprise, lost another game last night, this time 7-2 to to drop to 8-16. and It was the 14th time in 24 games in which the team has scored two runs or less. It was also the 14th game in which the team has failed to record a home run. For the season, the Orioles still stand at 29th in home runs with 11. Only the Detroit Tigers are worse with 10. And when the Orioles do record a home run, they don't seem to fare very well, owning a 1-9 record in those contests. Mm. In fact, the Orioles have only managed to hit more than one home run in the game just once, a 7-6 loss to the Angels in which both Trey Mancini and Austin Hayes homered. Did you know the record for home runs in the season by the Orioles was set back in 1996 when they hit 257 home runs, breaking at the time, breaking the previous record owned by the 1961 New York Yankees, who hit 240. This is not the tidbit, but you know who hit number 241 for the I, Orioles? I don't. It was left-handed catcher Mark Parent. I remember that for some strange That's reason. bizarre. Yeah. The, you, you remember more about Mark Parent than I think Mark Parent does. <laughs> the team had nine guys in their lineup who hit 20 or more home runs that season, and seven who did it entirely for the Orioles. Two came over in trades. Can you name the nine players who hit 20-plus home runs? Yeah. I, oh, God. Um, I, I, I believe Todd Zeal was one of them. Todd Zeal. That was one I didn't expect you I, to get. I, I'm not kidding. I had a poster of all nine guys. I, I still have it in my man cave. Oh, fan God. cave, as Laura likes to call it. Your fan cave. Uh, Raffy. Rafael Palmero. <sighs> um, Alomar. Yep. Ripken. Yep. Uh, Brady. Coils. That is correct. Oh God, remembering remembering which guys it was. This is this is making me go back in my memory. Jeffrey Hammonds? No. That was in ninety seven that he had twenty. Ninety seven. Was the so I'm sure then it was Benia. Bobby Benia. Yeah. He had twenty eight. How am I missing? Two? Two. Two. Serhoff? B.J. Serhoff, yes. He, I believe he had 22 that year. And... This guy came over in... Was it Pete Incavilia? No, he had 18. That's that bum. That guy what sucks. I remember he had a grand slam in his first game with the Orioles against the Mariners. I don't remember it that. It was to the I opposite field. The guy that came over in a trade... Ah, um, is a big one. Well, it wasn't Eric Davis. No, he didn't come to ninety seven. Right, no, there was another another player who came over. He was a he was a trade during the season. It wasn't Geronimo Baroa, was it? That was in ninety seven. Ninety seven. Man, trying to remember what was what is very difficult. It's a big name. All right, all right, settle down over there, Chief. Getting <laughs> all worked up. Settle down. Big name. A big name who came over in a trade. A bigger name than Pete Incavilia? 100%. 100%. 96. Oh, was it Eddie? Eddie Murray. It was Eddie. Eddie Murray. He had 22 that year also. 10 with the Orioles. 
Okay. I definitely had that poster. I 100% had a poster on my wall of all nine guys. Mine is above the window that's next to the bathroom in the basement. You still have it. I still have it. My grandfather, whose name I have, he uh, he gave it to me. It had specially framed for me and everything like that. So I I still have it. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. All right, uh, here's what's coming up tonight, Totally Tubular. Totally Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up tonight. As we mentioned earlier, it's uh, Dylan Bundy and Kyle Bradish on the mound tonight for the Twins and the Orioles, 7 o'clock on Masson. Masson 2, Nationals, Rockies at 840, MLB Network, Braves, Mets at 1, Angels, Red Sox at 7. TNT Game 2 tonight for the Sixers and Heat at 730 for the Mavs and Suns at 10. ESPN, Bruins, Hurricanes, Game 2 uh, game two at 7, Blues, Wild, Game 2 at 930. ESPN 2, Lightning, Maple Leafs, Game 2 at 730. Could really use the Lightning not getting their ass kicked after I put out that throw a couple of bucks on them at 11 to 1 on uh, on the live casino and hotel social media pages. Could really use them maybe being a bit more competitive in this game. If it gives you any hope, the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates won, I think it was like the 19... It was, some, it was like the 19... Some World Series against the Yankees, they got outscored by like 19 runs, but they won games like 3-2 to two and they yeah, won the I mean, whole World Series. Now you can do that. I understand that. It's just not a great start, and it yeah. ha- you have to start winning at some point if you're going to end up being a threat. Not that I thought that they were going to win the Stanley Cup. I didn't. It was just more of a, you're giving me the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions at 11-1 to odds. Why the hell not? I got to throw a couple of bucks on that. Kings-Oilers, game two at 10 o'clock tonight as well. We get the other half of the Champions League final figured out today. Three o'clock on CBS for um, leg two between Real Madrid and Manchester City. Uh, the Washington Spirit play in the NWSA Challenge, NWSL Challenge Cup tonight at 8 against O.L. Reign. I know you never missed that. That's on CBS Sports Network. TBS for AEW Dynamite today from UMBC, the same place where you're going to see Limp Biscuit Tonight uh, is where the AEW The guy I'm going to go to see Limp Biscuit with is actually going to be at that show there in Skybox. I guess they're filming two shows there tonight. They're, yes, they also filmed a Friday night show, uh, Rampage. They're filming it tonight, but... It's AEW Dynamite live from UMBC tonight. Some non-sports highlights. All right. So our boy Josh Charles, he filmed it yesterday, but he's going to be on Fallon I don't know tonight. if he filmed it yesterday or not now. I have no idea, but he is going to be on Fallon he's tonight gonna, He's going sure. He's going to yes. be on Fallon tonight. You've got um, Meltdown, Three Mile Island. It's a Netflix documentary that is about the most significant accident in U.S. commercial nuclear power plant history so that's pretty cool and then on uh disney you plus, so. uh, i'll probably check it out mm-hmm. uh on disney plus tonight moon Knight, the series the season finale they only had like five or six episodes uh i have not watched it at all yet i need Neither to get i heard it's excellent i did oh you know what i did basically i i finished um ozark yeah I we've spent, only watched- I spent some time yeah I, I, do- I dove in i had watched more when I said I only watched one episode, I had watched two episodes, mm-hmm. and I had apparently started the third episode. And so when I picked it back up, I did not have that much, and I was up late last night because of this incident. Like, had the basketball game on in the background and spent a good amount of time with Ozark. And I got a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. I really want to watch like the whole thing today and tomorrow, and like, the wife just won't let me. A lot of people hate the ending. and my, Damn it. I would just say, I think that's the point. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's the point, is that a lot of people hate the ending. That's all I'll give you. All okay. right? I'm not going to tell you anything more Do about it. Do you hate the ending? I At first, I did. When I thought about it a little bit more, I, 
there there are problems, right? There are problems, and I I wonder. I I tweeted something out yesterday that wasn't a spoiler, but could be treated as a spoiler because I am convinced of a spinoff that has to be coming after the, and if and if not. It's a fail. Like the only way that this makes it okay is if there is a spinoff coming. I have zero interest in a Ruth in a Ruth spinoff. I feel like that's the only spinoff they could for possibly what it's worth. Do. That's not the one. That's okay. not the one. All right. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's not the one. Damn Jonah. Talk about it at some point. We'll talk about it whenever we can talk about it. But I did finish Ozark last night, which also means I haven't watched Better Better Call Saul yet or Winning Time from this week. So I got to get on that. I ha- I haven't watched Better Call Saul yet. The other yeah. two I've watched. All right, thanks today to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great X Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Dan Wilcox. Thanks to Drew Forrester. Thanks to Randy Moss. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, uh, former Maryland coach Randy Edsel is going to join us. Of course, he knows a thing or two about Travis Jones, who he was coaching at UConn until uh, he was let go this season. So we'll find out about one of the new Baltimore Ravens with Randy Edsel. Taylor Cummings is going to check in with us, one of the greatest players in women's lacrosse history. The uh, World Championships coming to Baltimore this summer. We're going to learn a little bit more about that. Stuff and things. There are a few things we're working on today. Maybe some of those things will fall in line for tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know why it's been a struggle this week. I'm sorry. I uh, I expect to do better. It's not. It's not. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's just the way that it goes. But uh, we'll work on that for tomorrow's show as well. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, everybody, all of our great sponsors. And par- I already did that part. You I did. did it out of order. I don't know why I did that. You're like the guy who sang the national anthem and sang two verses back-to-back, the same verse back-to-back the other day at the Orioles game. He sang the Rockets Red Glare twice. Oh, I kind of love that. Actually, we might want to think about that. We might want to think about going all in with that. <laughs> it's the best line in the song. I mean, we just want, might want to think about maybe permanently adding the Rockets Red Glare twice. All right. Uh, thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Uh, thanks to Ryan at Rex Specs Ryan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday night. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.